Blog Talk Radio. This fall, the Fantasy Sports Channel will make history all over again with even more live fantasy sports radio than anywhere on the planet. At least 12 hours of fantasy football, baseball, basketball, and hockey action each Monday through Friday. Plus more fantasy sports talk every Saturday and Sunday. More than 50 shows in all from the best fantasy sportscasters in the business. Try getting that on your radio dial. The Fantasy Sports Channel, only on Blog Talk Radio. It's a schedule you can bet on. Jupy. and their versatility bring new light to many topics in and out of the world of fantasy sports. Guests can reach the show by calling 347-324-5404. Red vs. Blue Sports Talk Radio, where Planet Red and Big Blue Nation collide. Let's hope they're still friends afterwards. Here they are, Scott and Mike. Friday, August 27, 2010, with Red vs. Blue High Stakes Radio. And welcome everybody to a special two-hour edition of Red vs. Blue High Stakes Radio. Wherever you may be, thanks for making us part of your night. I'm Scott Atkins, team legacy in the world of high stakes fantasy football, and we are underway with the Big Payback Draft, the Big Payback Satellite. Uh, this is a live pick-by-pick commentary draft, courtesy of the Fantasy Football Players Championship. We welcome you to a special Friday edition. As always, I'm joined by my big blue co-host from Brandenburg, Kentucky, on location at a remote location, Michael Trent. Mike's drafting tonight, and uh, Mike, this draft is officially underway. Yep, absolutely. Uh, I just uh, I just checked in, Scott, and I'm looking forward to it. All right, buddy. Well, I'll keep you posted. I know you're uh, remote, so I'll I'll let you know how these teams are uh, are shaping up. Uh, we've we've got a big show tonight. Again, this is Red versus Blue. Uh, we we focus on the high stakes industry of fantasy football. And uh, if you are new to the show, we uh, we stream live every Friday night at 11 o'clock Eastern on uh, the Fantasy Sports Channel, 24 hours a day, streaming uh, fantasy sports news. Tonight it's uh, Red versus Blue, high stakes fantasy football, and uh, we we bring this show to you every Friday night, usually at an 11 o'clock Eastern start time. So if you're new to the program, 
just uh, hop on and uh, click the little uh, favorite button underneath the show player. That will make sure that you get an email reminder every week. Nothing more, nothing less than that. You'll get an email email reminder one hour before the show. Uh, Mike, we've got a, a great crowd here tonight in the chat room. We call them the crew here at Red vs. Blue, some of the best minds in the industry of high-stakes fantasy football. So if you've got a draft coming up, I know we've got a local league tomorrow, uh, feel free to give us a call up here at 347-324-5404. You can also just pop in the chat room and be a part of that. Uh, If you have any questions, those are some of the best and brightest minds, again, in the the fantasy uh, football industry. These guys are competing for hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yeah, Mike? Yeah, I know. uh, I was just able to call in just now and – Check with you, but uh, have, uh, have you been, have, had a chance to go over the uh, twelve participants uh, that are uh, that are in this? I mean, I, I'm I know he's done it, but uh, let's do it one more time. What do you say? Absolutely, Mike. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna unveil and roll out the uh, the twelve participants. Number one out of the one hole is John Haskell, Syracuse Slappers. He started the draft with Adrian Peterson. A little bit of a twist on things with Chris Johnson has been consensus, but John Haskell seems to feel a little safer with Adrian Peterson at the one oh. I know you don't like that pick, Mike. Number two, Wayne Ferguson, pound for pound, gets a gift rest Chris Johnson from the two hole. Again, Chris Johnson had a, a tremendous amount of carries last year. Uh it's it's always the curse. Three hundred and fifty eight carries, rushed for over two thousand yards, uh over four hundred touches in a year, could break down, but he is feeling good about getting Chris Johnson in the two-hole. The three-spot is our friend Darren Armani from FantasyMojo.com, host of the Pros versus Joes drafts here held recently. Fantasy Mojo has a decision with Ray Rice at the three-hole. He goes ahead and takes Ray Rice. Apparently, uh, a lot of folks like to do that anyway, but uh, with the recent news about Maurice Jones-Drew, this knee surgery, just the minor uh, minor, uh, you know, thing that Marshall Falk had happened to him all the time. He would go in there and get it cleaned up a little bit. Not a big deal. But now, MJD is disputing this surgery. So it's getting very weird. But at the four hole, Jeff Tirabasi, Corn Fins, has no fear and takes Maurice Jones Drew at the four. Uh, those are your big four in every draft. And, and at the five hole, Tommy uh, Eights, Recovery Boys, our defending big payback satellite champion. Now, Mike, how this works this is a $500 entry fee for the big payback. And the top prize winner gets an entry into next year's official big payback league. That that league, Mike, has a $5,000 entry fee. It's for the big dogs. It's for the best. Yeah, that's, that's big stuff there. Yeah, $5,000 entry fee. It's a big-time league. And, uh, you know, Tommy Ace is going to be sitting there uh, as our guest from Red vs. Blue in this big payback draft. And he, he paid $500 last year, and he's sitting at a table with 11 other guys who who put up $5,000. So really nice to see Tommy do that, and he is uh, going to have a lot of fun in Las Vegas opening weekend on uh, September the 12th. So we're looking forward to seeing what Tommy Ace can do yeah. in the big payback draft. And, you know, another thing out of these leagues, Scott, is, uh, you know, there's a chance that, uh, you know, you can uh, win your way in to something bigger and better, and that's what uh, – that's what the, a lot of these leagues are all about, uh, winning your way into something bigger and better and just continue to move forward. So, uh, like I said, uh, I posted it on the uh, FFPC board. You know, this is one heck of a good crew here uh, that's drafting. So, uh, I'm just uh, I'm just having fun watching them, and, uh, you know, I wish them all the best. 
Well, we've got the we've got the link. You can follow the draft live in our chat room uh, on on the board. Actually, we have a link to the actual draft board as it's taking place, so you can see how long you're on the clock right now. And Victor's Peasy is on the clock. We'll talk about him here in a second. Uh, let's let's move on with this list, Mike. It, it just keeps getting better and better here uh, with this with this list. We've got Michael Bronte at the sixth spot, and Victor's Peasy, and he takes Michael Turner again. A very safe option with Michael Turner. Uh, coming off of that big injury last year, but he is definitely a workhorse. Now, this league does award one point per reception for all players running back and wide receiver. But the interesting twist, obviously, as everybody knows, if you play in the Fantasy Football Players Championship format, one and a half points per reception for every tight end. So the tight ends start to go off the board extremely, extremely fast. So if you're getting ready to participate in the FFPC or you're going to be playing in that Football Guys Players Championship, uh, the tight ends go off a fast. How fast do they go? Uh, we're seeing them in the first round. Let's move on. At the 1-7 pick, Mike, Tom Fund, Hicksville Angry Ants, and he he takes Frank Gore. Gets a little bit of a gift. Frank Gore at the 7th pick. you got to like Frank Gore. This year has a very easy strength of schedule, Mike. Yeah. you got to love that schedule. Yeah, I've, I've been uh, I've been in love with Frank Gore uh, for a long time, and uh, i got a feeling uh, that uh, Billy Wise – uh, he's not gonna he's not gonna bait to this uh, tight end deal. He may, but uh, I, I, you know I see uh, I see a wide receiver coming out of Billy Wise. All right, well at the eight hole you are correct. Billy Wasowski, uh an accomplished veteran here. El Toro Biwaz Biwaz uh, takes Jermichael Finley, the first tight end off the board, the monster, the beast that is Jermichael Finley. Uh, I think, you know, everybody saw that Green Bay-Indianapolis game. That's a shootout game waiting to happen, and everybody has Packers and Colts on their mind right now. But, you know, uh, it, it, hey, look, in this draft is definitely justified. Finley can go in the first uh, without without much reservation, but you would like to see a guy who has a little bit more of a track history. But, again, if you're going to swing for the fifth, Michael Finley is for you. I'm totally shocked, Scott, that uh, uh, Billy would take that uh, that early uh, because you know he could he could get a tight end uh, probably a little bit later. But you know it's it's a what have you done for me lately type deal. So uh, Billy said, well, I want to get this guy and uh, Green Bay's offense is let's face it, it's going to be explosive. Uh, but I was really shocked at that pick. Yeah, well, there's a lot of guys that again they. Uh, you know, Jermichael Finley is the darling, darling right now. Let's move on. Uh, number crunchers is out of the nine hole. Daryl Bomber, uh, a very accomplished veteran here in the in the formats of the FFPC. He takes Stephen Jackson back surgery and all at the nine hole. So again, getting that running back in place, you know, to, for 300, 350 touches. Uh, Daryl apparently wanted to do that, and we'll see what he does coming back at the turn. Number ten, Les Sandlin, Sandman's time. Um, Randy Moss is his selection, and I think he's got to like that pick because, you know, if you've been listening to Red versus Blue, we've, we've been calling Randy Moss the consensus seven pick. Uh, obviously, with Tom Brady, you're going to see two touchdown, three touchdown days from Randy Moss. Uh, it's just going to happen, and with the weapons that they have there uh, in that offense, I think Brady's a little undervalued this year, and, you know, we should see Randy Moss be open quite a bit. Yeah, I, you know, I think that's a pretty. I think it's a pretty good pick for last. And uh, you know, Kip's got to be licking his chops. And the more I see these drafts, and the more I'm uh, looking at them, 
after just going through a local draft uh, just a little bit ago, uh, the one-two spot is good. And to be honest with you, I think the 10, 11, 12 spot is even better. Well, it's all uh, we're, we're going to get into that for sure. We've got two hours. We're going to be breaking down the different uh, draft strategies that are being deployed here as we get a chance to take a look at these drafts because that's what everybody wants to see tonight. They want to see what's going to happen when I put together my team wide receiver, wide receiver. What's going to happen when I put together my team tight end, wide receiver. Uh, these are uncommon form, you know, formats, but with the tremendous depth of running back, we're seeing a little bit of everything this year. So let's let's keep it rolling here. Uh, number eleven, Kip Lockwood. Uh, he's a board member, charter board member of the Fantasy Players Association, the newly formed Fantasy Players Association. Uh, Nimrod, the 11 pick, Kip Lockwood, and he takes Antonio Gates. Again, tight ends get one and a half points per reception, so definitely we're going to see the tight ends come off the board earlier than expected. Number 12, rounding out this format, they all ponied up $500 in this league to get a crack at that big payback draft live in Vegas. Jeff Gill. Uh, goes by the team named Fish. Everybody knows Jeff Gill, unfortunately, from the news, obviously from as a respected high-stakes player, but from the news, Jeff is the winner of the AFL Grand Prize from 2009. Uh, Mike, he won, yeah. you know, $50,000 last year, and we're still hoping that he collects this thing. There is obviously a suit against the AFL. Given the industry kind of a black eye, we think that these industry, uh, these contests can recover and will recover but the AFL is in a very bad situation. They have not paid their grand prize winner, and they are accepting entries. So we 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 just root for Jeff and give him wish him all our best. Jack Hahn is representing him, another board member of the Fantasy Players Association. Fish takes Miles Austin. I love this pick, Mike. Miles Austin, your Dallas Cowboys. Talk about starting the draft with Miles Austin. Well, you start with Miles Austin, and then he's going to come back with another. Uh, uh, definite role player that's going to be uh, perfect for his uh, for his team. But I I totally want to uh, I want to echo the sentiments that you just said about Jeff. Uh, you know I hope he gets paid, uh, but that's you know we we can't control that. The only thing we can can control is what's happening in this draft and what's happening with this league. And if Jeff uh, if he pulls off some things and uh, ends up winning this league, he's going to get paid. I guarantee it. And uh, good luck, Jeff. And uh, I bet he comes back with a running back. I bet he does. All right. At the 2-1, Fish comes back with Dallas Clark. So he starts his draft miles off than Dallas Clark. So it's going to be interesting to see what type of team he can put together uh, when he starts with a wide receiver and a tight end. Again, there's going to be some running backs fall. We know it. It's how happy are you going to be with those guys. Is it going to be B.D. Wells? Is it going to be Sean Green? Is it going to be Javid Best? There's a lot of names there right around. Let Sean McCoy look good tonight. He burst out an 18-yard touchdown. So, uh, very interesting. So Fish starts off Miles Austin and Dallas Clark. Let's, let's go back to Kip Lockwood from the 11 hole. He starts out Antonio Gates, Brandon Marshall. Again, Mike, Kip is ignoring the running backs, and he takes Antonio Gates, Brandon Marshall. Now, Mike, that's a little high for Brandon Marshall uh, from where we're used to seeing him. But, again, he's an accomplished player in a new team, a new quarterback. Tonight he did look good. He got a, caught a couple of 20-yard catches uh, for the Finns tonight. But uh, at the 2-2 pick, you're hoping for a lot of things to be right. You're hoping, number one, that Ricky Williams and Ronnie Brown don't dominate this offense in a ball-control-type fashion because if they do, Sperano loves to run the clock and play that ball-controlled offense. If that's the case, we might not see the Brandon Marshall we saw in Denver last year. It might be a different version, one that's not as involved as he was 
um, in Denver. So, uh, you know, it's, well, it's a high upside pick. What do you think about Brandon Marshall? You know, I, I don't think it's a bad pick, but honestly, uh, the way I've seen drafts going, Scott, you better get your running backs. You better get them quick because I'm going to tell you, come around uh, – Come uh, three one, three two. Uh, they're done. They're over, and you, you're getting a, a pick of a litter, so to speak. I mean, I went through a draft tonight, and you know, I was lucky to get Brandon Jacobs a little bit late. And when I say late, I'm talking uh, round uh, round six. So uh, you know, these running backs, they're going to come off the board, and they're going to come off the board quick. There's going to be a lot of wide receivers left. Well, it's it's funny how these uh, these things do take a life of their own because early on in the year everybody's neglecting running backs and scooping them up later, and you know what that seemed to work. But as the season has went on here, this preseason, we have seen a little bit of a return to running backs that flavor. And every year in the high stakes world, as we get closer at a post draft day in Vegas, the running backs do start to come off the board earlier and earlier, all the way up to draft day. And then when draft day is here, obviously the running backs start flying off the board. So it is something that happens every single year. Uh, I think it's important also to note, if you're not familiar with this FFPC format, they play uh, a lineup of two running backs, starting two wide receivers and one tight end. And then you can start two flex positions. It's a little bit different. It's the dual flex. You can start up to three tight ends. You can start four running backs. Or you can start four wide receivers or any combination in between. With two flex, it definitely gives you options. So let's let's keep it moving here. Let's Sandlin. He chooses the wide receiver, wide receiver start, Randy Moss and Reggie Wayne. Now, you know, start, you start off with Randy Moss and Reggie Wayne, and there's nothing bad you can say about that. Last night with the Colts, Randy looked like, or Reggie looked like the same old Reggie, and then New England, Randy looked like the same old Randy. Uh, some people were expecting maybe Reggie Wayne was going to be tailing off this year, but he sure didn't look like it last night, Mike. Randy Moss, Reggie Wayne, I like that start. Yeah. You know, that that looks good. Uh, Randy Randy Moss is going to be uh, he's going to be a total stud uh, for New England, and he's going to be uh, obviously startable every week. And he, he's going to be a guy that's, that's going to put up a ton of points. Uh, uh, Reggie Wayne, you know, I'm not so sure. I'm sure he will get his points. He'll do what he you know has to do. But that offense just is sneaky about the way they like to allocate their uh, distribution. You know, it could be a guy one week. You know, it could be Wayne. It could be Austin Collie. You know, who right. knows? That kind of scares me a little bit with uh, Wayne. Well, and it should a little bit. Um, that, that is the concern with Reggie Wayne, just a little. I mean, he, again, he's still an elite talent, but he did, you know, if you had him in the in the year last year, you were very happy throughout the year. Then when the money weeks came around, he really fell apart and didn't do it for you. It looked like Peyton Manning was co- becoming very comfortable with Pierre Garçon. And, uh, you know, we'll just have to see. Uh, Pierre Garçon is, is a value play, in my opinion, that right now he's, you know, uh, late fifth, mid-fifth, late fifth, early sixth at some time. So, you know, you can get him for a song right now. Uh, I'm a little surprised that Calvin Johnson has been skipped by these couple of guys, Jeff, Kip Lockwood, Les Sandlin, all skipping on Calvin Johnson, who I feel has elite upside. Uh, Daryl Bonner of Number Crunchers goes ahead and takes Greg Jennings. He wants a piece of that Green Bay pie, so to speak. Go ahead, Mike. I I absolutely love that pick uh, because I am uh, I'm a firm believer in Rodgers and what he's doing and uh, in that offense. 
So if Rodgers is going to put up the kind of points and the kind of numbers that we're expecting, who's he going to throw it to? Obviously, Finley a little bit. But, uh, you know, he's, you got the wide receiver out there. I mean, I mean, that's going to be a lot of points distributed throughout that team. Well, and again, we can, we can talk about players all day long here, but I do want to mention that Greg Jennings, uh, while an elite talent, had uh, elite production one year, um, a couple of years back, back in 2007, he looked fantastic, or I'm sorry, 2008. 2009, he kind of tailed off a little bit, and, you know, we drafted him in several leagues at NFFC and whatnot, and, and he really let us down. Uh, and I think it's important to note that back in 2007, Green Bay did not have an elite tight end at that time. Now they have an elite tight end. They're, they've got to spread this ball around quite a bit. Ryan Grant catches balls, Jordy Nelson, James Jones, Donald Driver. It's going to be very difficult for Greg Jennings to get back to that elite status with all those weapons that supposedly are still in the picture. So it's going to be tough. So let's keep it moving. Uh, here's Billy Waz's team. Billy Waz comes in with Jermichael Finley. We started the draft, and he does take Calvin Johnson. Um, now, it's interesting to note, I'm going to go ahead and skip around to the third round here. He also takes Brent Selleck. So, Billy Waz has started off the draft with Jermichael Finley, Brent Selleck, and Calvin Johnson. Mike, completely neglecting the running back spot. I know. Uh, that's what he's done so far, and, and, and it's going to be interesting to see what he puts together here. Yeah, uh, you know what? It, it will be interesting. Uh, you know, obviously he has a game plan uh, in place uh, to do that, uh, to neglect the running back. I personally uh, would not do that, but uh, that's why he's uh, that's why he's doing what he's doing, uh, drafting in this spot in this uh, big playback. Uh, but I don't know, man. I, I don't know where he's going to get his running backs from. All right. So now we look at uh, Tom Fun. Tom started off the draft with Frank Gore. He comes back with Roddy White and Sean Green. Now let's take a look at that team for a second. He he brings in uh, Roddy White over Larry Fitzgerald, which. Again, there's a lot of questions with Ryan and Derek Anderson, so I don't mind that at all. Roddy White's um, right there in the discussion with the elite wide receivers in the game. So, Frank Gore, Roddy White, coming back with Sean Green at the 3-7 pick over Ryan Grant. Now, let's talk about that for a second. This is this is team construction time here. He passed up on the tight end because Vernon Davis was gone. He passed up on Brett Selleck, and he decides to take a running back, Sean Green, over Ryan Grant. Now, some would some would say, Mike, uh, Ryan Grant is, is one of the safest running backs in the game. There's not a lot of players that are going to get the type of workload in the third round that Ryan Grant's going to get, especially in a prolific offense. Sean Green, I was just about to mention this tonight, you know, with this LaDainian Tomlinson thing and how good LaDainian, he's, he's looking really involved in that offense. I was thinking that Sean Green would definitely slip into the fourth round tonight uh, and I think by the time we get to Vegas, I think Sean Green will slip into the fourth round, Mike. I, I think there's just there's too many questions right now about this Jets offense. They look pathetic. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. And uh, you know, you know, a lot of lots been talked about the Jets this, the Jets that, but uh, you know, they're going to have to uh, they're going to have to put up something. And uh, Sean Green, uh, he is an uh, unbelievable talent, but can can he get me the numbers that I need to get? For my fantasy team, he can't. If I don't think he can, then I got to move on to the next running back. Well, it's getting getting very interesting here. Again, the phone number three four seven three two four five four zero four. Feel free to give us a call, and we'll we'll, we'll break down this draft with you tonight. Um, but but let's 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 continue on with this draft. We just saw a couple of guys go off the board. 
Uh, Javid Best goes off at 312. Drew Brees at 311. Uh, we've got Hakeem Nix at 4-1. I'm going to load these. I'm loading these guys up as we speak as well into a color-coded draft grid. I, I like to. I like to follow the draft along that way. Cedric Benson falls into the fourth round, Mike. Now listen. Uh, Kip Lockwood waited on a running back until the fourth round. He started off with Antonio Gates, Brandon Marshall, Drew Brees, arguably the number one at each position with that potential, and he follows up and he gets a stud running back in Cedric Benson. Mike Cedric Benson is a workhorse running back uh, who's going to get the ball. He's going to get receptions. And in that offense, there's a lot of good good vibes about Cedric Benson. It's not the same feel. When you had a 300-carry back last year, Mike, you're getting in the fourth round. I think that's excellent strategy. Yeah, I, I do too. Uh, the only thing that I, I worry about is uh, what's going to be a second running back. What's, what's, gonna, what, what's left out there? Uh, so that's something that Kip's going to have to uh, look at, and I'm sure he already has. Uh, but, uh, you know, Cedric's going to be awesome uh, for him. But, you know, what What if Benson goes down and this and that, you know, and what, we, what does he rely on for his next running back? Well, I think that's a good question, Mike. I'm, I'm pretty impressed with that. That is the, That's the question that that team is going to face. Can he put together a team – uh, that rotates that RB2. Look, we've seen lots of people do it. We did it in the World Championship back in year two where we won our league title in that year, and we rotated our RB2 throughout the year. We played matchups every single game, and we won our league. Now, that can happen, but you've got to be right. There were many occasions I just felt extremely lucky to hit that, and it, it's hard to do. You know, you've got to you've got to play the matchups, and you've got to get a little bit of luck in those drafts. Um, Absolutely. And, and, and another thing, Scott, is – it's just uh, pre- preparing and planning your draft. Uh, you know, when these players uh, fall into your spot, especially at, uh, say, uh, spot where Kip is, at uh, spot 11, so you, you pretty much have to take the best available, and it takes forever for them guys to come back to you. And next thing you know, you're stuck with one running back, Cedric Benson, after four rounds. Yeah, let's keep I agree with you, Mike. He got Cedric Benson, so we're going to have to see what happens here at these other running backs. Maybe he can land a uh, Jonathan Stewart, a C.J. Spiller, a Ronnie Brown or something, and maybe really start to turn it around because, again, you're starting off the draft with Gates, Marshall, and Breeze. You know, maybe you can get two or three running backs here. It's very deep this year. I mean, Marion Barber, late. I mean, that's the type of – these are the type of guys that Kip's got to be looking at uh, late in this draft. I mean, Jerome Harrison, Armand Bradshaw, Reggie Bush, he can get two of those guys, Mike. To pair with Gates, Marshall, what? The old man Brandon Jacobs. Yeah, you know that might be something he, he does late. We'll, we'll, we'll have to see what he puts together. Matt Forte is now off the board. Uh, Matt Forte goes to Tom, Tommy Yates. Uh, let's look at Matt uh, at Tommy Yates' draft. Andre Johnson, yeah. Fitzgerald, back to back. He loves getting Fitzgerald that late. I've seen Fitzgerald go now. Look, Fitzgerald is not a first round pick anymore. With the questions for Liner and Derek Anderson and his health. I got him at 210 the other night, and now here he goes at 28, Mike. So he pairs Andre Johnson with Larry Fitzgerald. Those two guys could be 1-1A one and one a this year. He comes back in the third round and takes a very high upside pick in Jamal Charles. Mike, Jamal Charles got the start tonight over Thomas Jones, fumbled the ball on his first carry. Not a great start for a guy who's fighting Thomas Jones for his, play, for his starting job. Well, you know what, Scott? Uh, uh, Jamal Charles has been a – 
he's been on a roller coaster. I mean, we're talking a month ago. I mean, he was being uh, late first, uh, so mid second, uh, no problem. And then he then he's kind of falling. But uh, why did he fall? I I don't know. Uh, Jamal Charles is as uh, good as it gets. So that's that's a great pick. Yeah, it's uh, neat, neat to see what Tommy put together there. Again, he took Jamal Charles over Ryan Grant. Uh, I can definitely see that. I mean, Jamal Charles has a lot of upside, so we'll, we'll, we'll go ahead and, and I, I call that a good pick. And the fact that he can get Matt Forte, Jamal Charles and Matt Forte, a guy who was being drafted in the top four last year. Now, they do bring in Chester Taylor. But I think Matt Forte, with this being a point per reception league for running backs, he's going to get 50 balls. Uh, Forte is going to be involved, but I think this is still Matt Forte's team. It's his job to lose. He looked impressive in the preseason. And you're getting Matt Forte in the fourth round. This is why it's okay to wait for running backs, Mike, when you can get a starter like Matt Forte in the fourth. Uh, Andre Johnson Fitzgerald, he's looking like a genius right now, and he's defending his title very well. Right. And uh, But, you know, I understand what you're saying, but I still don't, uh, I still don't buy into uh, – Saving the running backs right now. Uh, this, this league, it, it's too tough. And when you're going through all these, uh, you know, throughout the different teams, you pretty much have to get a running back, two running backs, really quick. Well, uh, Mike, I think a lot of these high-stakes players disagree with you, but that's okay. That's why we love this game, and we're following it along here. Now, I did I did, I did, did skip Mike Bronte and Victor Speedy, so let's go back to him. He starts off the, the draft just like you asked him to, Michael Turner, Ryan Matthews. I know you love the Ryan Matthews pick. And he, he takes him over Larry Fitzgerald at that point. He comes back in the third round and takes Vernon Davis. He gets his tight end secured. Very important to get a tight end in this format because, again, it's one and a half points per reception. And he comes back in the fourth round, Mike, not having a wide receiver on the roster, and he takes Tony Gonzalez. So he's got two running backs and two tight ends, Mike. He passed up on Crabtree, Wes Welker, and Steve Smith. What do you think about two running backs and two tight ends? I'm a little worried that you should have grabbed a, a wide receiver there that could stabilize that position because, again, in the FFPC, you have to start two every single week. You don't have to right. start two tight ends. That's a luxury. You can choose to do that as a flex, but it's a guaranteed must that you've got to put two wide receivers in the lineup every single week. So I think I, I like the draft moving all the way up to the fourth-round pick, and I think I would have – secure that wide receiver, but maybe he just doesn't like those receivers. Well, you know, that could be because, uh, let's face it, there's a ton of talent. There's a ton of options at wide receiver uh, as I look down the line uh, for him. I mean, he's got a lot of options available at wide receiver, so he wants to uh, secure something that he wanted, and uh, and there's nothing wrong with that. Because, like I said, you know, like I've said in the last couple weeks, uh, the wide receivers, there's a there's a ton of availability out there. Well, they're getting ready to come flying off the board right now. I, I can feel it. it. It's coming. We're on a run right now. Uh, we've got four back-to-back, Crabtree, Welker, Steve Smith, and Mike Sims-Walker. I can feel a whole lot more coming. We've got names like Jeremy Macklin, Heinz Ward, Dwayne Bowe, Malcolm Floyd. Malcolm Floyd looked good last tonight. And I'll bet you that Peasy is looking at Malcolm Floyd with one of these next two picks. It's just a hunch. But I think, you know, that team could use a Malcolm Floyd, somebody that's the number one target. Uh, you know, well, Antonio Gates is arguably the number one target, but the number one wide receiver in San Diego is Malcolm Floyd. Um, let's move on to Tommy Yates. Again, we covered Tommy Yates. Let's go on to Jeff Tiravasi. 
This guy is an accomplished high-stakes player. We compete against him everywhere, Mike. He starts off his draft with Maurice Jones-Drew, Rashard Mendenhall, Pierre Thomas. He goes three running backs, so you got to like that. And he comes back. So he's got three running backs to start every week. He also goes ahead and gets Michael Crabtree in the fourth. I think he would have loved to add Akeem Nix. I've watched him this year. But he does get his other darling, Michael Crabtree. I think he's got to be pretty happy about that. Now he's – let's see if he's got a tight end here. Can he get? Can he feel the tight end? Maybe he can get a Zach Miller come back to him. Uh, that could be a nice fifth-round pick oh, for him. Yeah. But he still, he still has three more spots to survive. Yeah, yeah but he does. And, uh, of course, Hines Ward just went. And, uh, you know, he's going to have uh, different spots to survive. But, you know, I kind of like that. I kind of like his approach, uh, just jamming the running backs, jamming the running backs, because uh, he's going to have opportunities down the road. Yeah, I bet Zach Miller's right around the corner here. Wayne Ferguson is coming up. Darren Armani's coming up. Neither one of them have a wide receiver. Uh, Jeff Tarabasi, they all got to – you got to like what Zach Miller brings to the table. I mean, here's a guy that finally gets a quarterback that he can call his own. Uh, this is a huge beast of a guy at, at 6'5", 255. Last year, he had 97 targets with Jermarcus Russell, Mike, and 66 catches. Uh, he, he could, he's a big target in an improved offense. We could see Wayne Ferguson take Zach Miller here. It might not make it to Jeff. Uh, and if it, doesn't, if, it makes it, if it makes it past Wayne, I doubt it makes it past Darren Armani. I see, uh, I see three tight ends uh, that just are screaming at me right now. Uh, for, each, for each team, uh, of course, I, I don't see the rosters right now. i got to pull them up. But uh, there are three tight ends that are just screaming at me. And uh, it's not just Zach Miller. There's a couple others. Well, yeah, Wayne's got 30 seconds on the clock, and he's, he's taking all the time in the world on this. He might be looking in another direction. Uh, there, there's still a couple players here. Macklin, Dwayne Bowe is a, is, a, is a guy who a lot of people are high on. No, Sean Moreno is slipping into the fifth round, Mike. So you got Moreno, Joseph Adai, Dwayne Bow, and Zach Miller. I'm calling the next four picks. There you go, Mike. Dwayne Bow, Joseph Adai, No, Sean Moreno, and Zach Miller. I'm calling it right now. Those are the next four picks. There oh. it is, Zach Miller. Uh-huh. I'm batting a thousand here. Here we go. Zach Miller goes to pound for pound. Wayne Ferguson. He gets his tight end. In the bag, Mike, and in this format, one and a half points per reception. It's important to do. Now, Darren Armani has Ray Rice with three wide receivers, Mike. Deshaun Jackson, Marquez Colston, and Wes Welker. <laughs> That's a tremendous trio to pair up with Ray Rice. Darren has a heck of a draft going on right now. He can make it a lot better with a, a, a stud running back or a stud tight end. The stud tight ends are either Winslow, Miller, Shanko, some, or Cooley, something like that. But he could add no Sean Moreno or a die here. Let's see if he goes risky, because Moreno's a little bit risky. You don't know if that hamstring's going to pop up again. Yeah, you know, I, I think uh, I think he may go no Sean right now, to be honest with you. He got him. You you pegged it, man. You nailed it. No Sean Moreno. Darren Armani takes no Sean Moreno, gets his RB2 in the fifth round. Now, Jeff Tirabasi is on the clock. He has three running backs. He has Michael Crabtree. You have to think that team construction-wise, a tight end is pretty important. Or maybe, oh, my goodness, look what he did. He took Joseph Adiah, fourth running back. Fourth running back. His fourth running back is Joseph Adiah. Oh, He's going to be fourth every single week. 
you know, him him and I were on the same page because uh, he's just figuring that, uh, you know, just get the running backs, get the running backs, and then we'll uh, figure on wide receivers. And I see Jonathan Stewart just went. Jonathan Stewart, another running back right off the board. So, again, uh, Tommy Yates had two wide receivers with Andre and Fitz. He had Jamal Charles and Matt Forte, and he passes on the tight end to go running back. And so he can, again, here's these running backs getting gobbled up. You, you Now, you know these guys on the back end of the draft, Jeff Gill especially, with only job at best, and Billy Wasowski without a running back, they have to hate seeing Jonathan Stewart, Adai, and Moreno off the board right before it gets to them because these guys, I mean, Billy didn't take a single running back, so it's got to be painful every time he sees a running back off the board. Now, Mike, here's a surprise pick. The surprise pick of the draft just popped up. Terrell Owens. Terrell oh, Owens at 5-6, Mike. Can you believe it? No, it's way too early. Well, Invictus Peasy, if you are on, if you are out there, uh, Terrell Owens over Dwayne Bowe, uh, that's an interesting uh, proposition. But you know what? I guess he's a believer. I guess that's what you're saying. I'm a believer in Terrell Owens in this offense. Uh, it's a little bit of Hollywood here uh, with that pick. Carson Almer doesn't have the strongest arm. I haven't seen his arm, you know, back back to where it really needs to be. But, you know, hey, you get Terrell Owens, it's a guy you want, and he's your wide receiver one. So if you believe in him, uh, you know what, you, you got him, fifth round. Now, I like Dwayne Bowe there. I think that's the safer, smarter play. And I think there's a good chance that Terrell Owens makes it back to you considering most of these guys behind you have two wide receivers. There's a couple that don't, but Terrell Owens is not one of the names that's on the tip of your tongue in the fifth round. No, no. Uh, no. You know, that really surprised me, Scott. But, uh, you know, maybe, you know, like you said, he's a believer and he wants to do it. Uh, see, uh, Billy Waz uh, uh, took uh, Maude Bradshaw, and uh, I, what's, what's his lineup look like? Uh, well, uh, Billy Wallace took him on Bradshaw. Now, he neglected the running back. He went Peyton Manning in the fourth, Calvin Johnson in the second, and he took the two tight ends, Finley and Selleck, in the first and third. So he's got uh, a heck of a team around Amon Bradshaw. He's going to be asking Amon Bradshaw to be the guy, to be an, a week-in, week-out guy that you can count on. No more of this 10 carries uh, for 40 yards and no touchdowns. Uh, he's gonna have to get, he's gonna have to get 15 carries. He's gonna have to get three or four catches, and he's gonna have that offensive line has got to get more productive in the red zone because after what we saw last year with the Giants, they stalled in the red zone over and over on first down trying to run, and it would turn into be an Eli passing on second and third. Anytime Eli passed on first down, you, you and, and he didn't convert it, you were so upset because now you know that the running game is gonna get pounded, eight in the box. And then eventually Eli would pass it in and throw a touchdown to Steve Smith or Kevin Moss, something like that. So you hope that Armand Bradshaw and that offensive line gets things together for Billy's sake. Yep, and uh, you know that, that that's what that's what they're going to need. And uh, you know I, I'm I'm still a firm believer in uh, Brandon Jacobs and uh, getting things done. And uh, I see that Chris Cooley went off the board now. All right, so I'm going to go back to the to a couple of guys here that we we uh, we skipped up on a little bit. Wayne Ferguson, uh, again, we told you he got Zach Miller in the fifth round at five two. You got to like that because again, a lot of these leagues they go even earlier than that. Let's we'll take a look at Wayne's team. Aaron Rodgers at quarterback. He takes the first quarterback off the board at three two. Aaron Rodgers we've seen go in the first round in some of these drafts, 
to get Aaron Rodgers at 3-2 with the high-powered offense, he's a 40-touchdown guy this year. Uh, he has that potential, and, and it looks like he's going to do it. Uh, Chris Johnson and D'Angelo Williams, you can't ask for a better one-two punch at running back, even with D-Will sharing the, sharing the ball with Jamal Stewart or, or Jonathan Stewart. He still is the best back on the team. Uh, Steve Smith is his wide receiver, and, again, he kind of came out of nowhere last year. He was not on folks' radar. A hundred-catch season for Steve Smith out of the blue for the New York Giants. And then he adds Zach Miller. He's got a really strong team. He's hoping that he can, you know, pile in a couple more wide receivers and running backs here late. Anytime you take a quarterback and a tight end in your first five picks, Mike, it's a little risky proposition because now you're asking to fill two running backs and two wide receivers. As long as he gets his wide receiver here, you can be sure that you, you can kind of feel the lineup. But if you stretch it out any later than that, you're going to be hurting for certain. Yeah, you're in, you're in a tough situation then. I totally agree. All right, we got a caller from the 270. Uh, that's your neck of the woods, Mike. 270, you're on with Red versus Blue. Uh, yes, good evening. How are you all guys doing? We're doing great. We're doing good action, man. What do you got? Well, you know, I'm from the Brandenburg uh, League with Mike Trent. And, uh, Mike, what can you tell me what your first pick was in the Brandenburg League? Uh, yes, I can. It was uh, Michael Turner. I took Michael Turner at the uh, at the eight pick, and then uh, come around with uh, Randy Moss, Darren. Well, I'm not I'm not interested in in Randy Moss. I'm I'm interested in, in the other analyst, uh, in the analyst uh, pick for uh, Michael Turner in the first round. What do you think about that? Well, hey guys. guys uh, and, and yeah. uh, I got I got him in uh, I got him at the uh, eight pick. Okay, what, what's, the score? what's the scoring format? High stakes, normal. Normal. Well, I was asking. I was asking the other. I was asking the other analyst his his pick if if he would have gone in the eighth round with Michael Turner. Okay, at the eighth pick with Michael Turner. Well, you know what? Uh, I'm not a big Michael Turner fan in the first round because I like to get a little bit more receptions now. You guys are rewarding a uh, point per reception, right? Yeah. Okay, so, you know, again, uh, a very consistent player. Uh, I know guys in the high-stakes industry, though, that are high on Michael Turner in the first round. Uh, Michael Bronzy tonight, he takes Michael Turner in the sixth round. It's a very safe play. You're going to get 300 carries out of this guy, and they keep saying that he's going to be involved in the passing game. Now, we've yet to see it, but they say that, and then right out of the bat in the preseason, they give him a toss, and he catches the ball. So it was a design pass. Uh, if he can catch 20 balls, uh, this guy has 15 touchdown potential. We've already seen that. And if he can stay healthy, now last year he broke down. Now, is that going to be something that recurs from year to year? Uh, Matt Ryan definitely needs Michael Turner. I think they need a little bit of help in there to kind of keep him fresh. I don't think they use Jerry Norwood near enough. They need a little help. Maybe Jason Snelling can take, keep, you know, keep this guy fresh because if Michael Turner gets an overworked, uh, you know, he gets overworked, he's going to break down again. Who'd you get? Hey, well, Darren, who'd you well, get that first we were, pretty dis- we were pretty disappointed in Mike's pick on the. <laughs> well, I appreciate you. I appreciate you calling in. This draft is rolling on. Um, are you a high stakes participant? Are you Are you interested in in uh, in jumping in some of these leagues someday? That's for the caller. Darren, you there? No, Darren is gone. A man, Brandenburg at its finest here, man. Tonight, this is the Brandenburg hour, I guess. 
three four seven three. Good, man. Uh, you know, I, I just want to jump in. Karen uh, is uh, one of my best friends. Uh, I was uh, uh, in his wedding, and uh, he, he's a, he's a great guy. And uh, I'm just I'm I'm glad he jumped in. And uh, you know, he was giving, he was giving me crap about uh, when I went Michael Turner, and then turned around and got Randy Moss. And then I was like, okay, well, Darren, what you got? <laughs> So uh, I'm I'm glad he went ahead and uh, checked in the show. Appreciate it, Darren. Yeah, a little little good nature ribbon is good for all of us, and it, and it kind of breaks things up, you know. So uh, you know that's what fantasy leagues are all about. We're gonna have fun. We can't we can't take this stuff too serious. We gotta have a little bit of fun here. So uh, it's a nice nice to hear from the Brandenburg clan. Let's keep this draft rolling, Mike. Uh, again, uh, John Haskell from the one hole started off. Adrian Peterson, a little bit of a surprise over Chris Johnson. We we haven't seen that in a while. Chris Johnson's been a consensus, but he goes ahead. He said, look, I'm not getting involved in Chris Johnson this year. I'm going to go ahead and take Adrian Peterson. He follows that up with Jason Witten and Quan Bolden, Sims Walker, and Heinz Ward. Now, some folks might not like that trio, uh, Bolden, Walker, Ward, but I bet they get the job done. Heinz Ward is a consummate professional. Every year you can count on Heinz Ward to be, you know, right around that 15, 17 range of wide receivers. So he's definitely a capable wide receiver three. Anquan Bolden, new to the Ravens. Mike Sims-Walker, uh, you know, he definitely is hit or miss. I'm not real sure how I feel about Sims-Walker as my two. Uh, he definitely makes a better three for me. But, uh, hey, you know what? He waited, and he had to do what he had to do there. Um, yeah, he, he put together, he's putting together a team, and, and he's going to have to come back and hope that one of these running backs falls. All right, Mike. You know, let's keep running backs go left and right. Uh, C.J. Spiller just went. Ronnie Brown. Uh, now uh, Invictus well took uh, wide receiver in uh, Pierre Garcon. Uh, Percy Harvin is a. I mean, that, that's a real interesting uh, thing to me. You know, with the migraines and all, it just seems like he's he's a cancer. And why doesn't anybody want to take him? Well, he's going to be Brett Favre's favorite target when he's on the field. But the question is, if you have to take a risk, uh, you take it. But if you don't have to, you leave him on the board because there's other sure things. I mean, I think Ocho Cinco is a sure thing, Macklin, Pierre Garçon. These are guys that have very little risk. I think Mike's, Mike Wallace has very little risk, uh, except for those first couple of games. Percy Harvin has to be coming right around this area, though, for somebody uh, Mike, it's just a matter of time before Percy Harvin comes off the board. Malcolm Floyd is going to be coming off the board here pretty soon, yeah. the way he looks tonight. So. What's your thoughts on uh, Scott, real quick, what's your thoughts on uh, Robert Meacham? Hey, you know what? Uh, the toe surgery scares everybody. Um, anytime you have toe surgery, you're, you know, you got to have toes, right, to be a wide receiver in this league. And, you know, up oh, there we go. Johnny Knox is off the board. That's one of our sleeper picks in the sixth round. Johnny Knox comes off the board. We've, we've seen him go as high as the late fourth and early fifth. So to see Tommy Yates get Johnny Knox, he's got a wicked lineup starting. He has neglected the tight end. It's going to be interesting to see what he does about tight end. Still several of them here, though. Winslow, Heath Miller, Shanko, Owen Daniels, Don Carlson, Dustin Keller, I mean, that's, a, that's six six tight ends. He, I think that's a smart move by passing on the tight end, taking the guy you like. Johnny Knox is that guy for him. That's his wide receiver three. And Jeff Tarabasi would have loved Johnny Knox there, I have a feeling. But he goes ahead and grabs Mike Wallace from Pittsburgh. Mike. So that's his yeah. wide receiver two. 
we have to wonder what he's going to look like in those first, you know, five or six weeks or so while Roethlisberger's riding the pine and facing suspension and Myron Luckwich is in the game. No, I, th- I think Mike Wallace will embrace the situation more than anything else uh, because he's going to say, look, let me be the guy, uh, no matter who who it is, whether it's uh, Dixon or Leftwich, he's going to say, let me be the guy. Let me show you what I can do uh, with a backup quarterback, so to speak. So uh, I don't think that's a bad pick at all, and a lot of people are very high on Mike Wallace. Well, that, that's the truth. This is a kid that looked really good last year. He has definite red zone potential. He's a, he's a, he's a definite deep ball kind of guy. Um, to see him break into the league like he did was very impressive. And the, and the Steelers obviously like him. They were okay and comfortable getting rid of San Antonio Holmes and sending the statement to Ben Roethlisberger. And, you know, the kid on 68 targets caught six touchdowns for 750 yards. So, huh. You know, the sky is the limit for this kid, and especially when Heinz Ward is gone and it's, and it's Roethlisberger. Very good dynasty buy low right now. You can get this guy, and I think you won't regret it. Uh, let, let's let's take a look at this. Uh, Darren Armani, we love what Darren has been doing in this draft. No Sean Moreno in the fifth has a little bit of a question mark. And he goes ahead and grabs Phillip Rivers, Mike. He takes nice Phillip Rivers as his quarterback off the board, so he does wait until the sixth round to, get, to grab Phillip Rivers. Uh, will John Haskell take a quarterback at this turn? Because, again, if you don't get your quarterback here um, at the sixth, seven turn, you're taking whatever's left at the eight, nine turn. So it will be interesting to see if he if he grabs his quarterback. I would, uh, I would, I would say he, he, he almost has to go quarterback uh, because, uh, you know, there's not much left. And But then again, I mean, he could wait, but I, I wouldn't do it. Well, quarterback's a deep position this year. When you, you look at we we scan this draft board. Here's kind of what you do around the turn. You scan the draft board. You take a look. There's four other teams that don't have a quarterback. You can't imagine that these guys, these pros, are going to take a quarterback here, a second quarterback. So you say, there's four other guys that need a quarterback before I take one. Let's see what quarterbacks are out there. Cobb, Cutler, Farr, Eli, Flacco, McNabb, you know Ryan. Mike, I'm up to seven quarterbacks here. I think he might be okay with waiting. There goes Percy Harvard. Yeah, he there goes Percy. Harvard. Malcolm Floyd went ahead, and, uh, you know, he's going to wait and uh, for a couple more picks, and then he's going to get his quarterback. Well, so you say he gets it or not? Uh, I, say, I say he gets it in the uh, 7 pick. Absolutely. 7-1 pick. He's up right here. 7-1. So you're saying he gets it. I say he waits because I see five or six quarterbacks here, not a lot of difference. Kevin Cobb, though, however, I think somebody's going to get him for a song because after the night, he did not look good. I could see Kevin Cobb falling to him back at the 8-12 because, I mean, look, it's the last impression that everybody has of Kevin Cobb is what you saw tonight. So if it's me, I think he goes ahead and shores up this RB2, and he takes a chance with Felix Jones. I think he's sitting out there. He's been sitting out there for too long. It's the seventh round. Uh, you know, you could take Marion Barber here if you like Marion Barber. Uh, Marion Barber looks like the pick, actually. I think I'd take Marion Barber over Felix Jones. What do you think? Yeah, I would. Uh, I would take Marion Barber uh, because Dallas has already said that they want to. Uh, they want to improve their uh, running game and, and do the best they can to improve that. So, but. Uh, all right, John Haskell, yeah, he, has 30, he, has, 
He has 30 seconds left, and uh, we're both calling Mary and Barbara. I hate when we agree, Mike. That's not that's not what I like to hear. Uh, Mary and Barbara's out there. Jerome Harrison's out there. Felix Jones is out there. He's not going to take a wide receiver because he already has four. We already came to the conclusion that he's not going to take his quarterback. He could play a little bit of defense here. Yeah, you know, he's already got his four wide receivers. He could play a little defense and take another tight end off the board. But he takes Felix Jones. There we go. He was one of the running backs that we looked at. He likes Felix Jones more than Marion Barber. Again, it's all personal, uh, you know, prognostication here. Who do you like better? Who who has uh, the upside? Uh, you know, we haven't seen it from that, Felix Jones that yet. That really surprises me. But uh, you know, you know that that could that could work out real good for him. Uh, I still see uh, pound for pound taking a quarterback right here. Well, uh, again, he, he, he kind of sees it the same way I do. There's four other guys that don't have one. You might even see the, one of these four guys skip on a quarterback uh, thinking the same thing because, again, there's a, there's kind of a gaggle of them here. Jay Cutler, Favre, Kevin Cobb, Eli, Blaine, Yeah, you're right, Marion Barber right off the board. Uh, again, back-to-back Felix, Marion Barber. That's going to be – here, here's the thing, Mike. When you draft Marion Barber, I drafted him in the league, and I'm looking at him, and, and this is for all the listeners, too. You get him in your lineup, and you're looking at putting who you, you know, deciding your starting lineup, and you look at the matchup, and you say, okay, Marion Barber versus the Washington Redskins. Hmm. Well, I'm not quite sure I believe in Marion Barber in that situation. So then I'm looking at the, the rest of my lineup, and I see Cadillac Williams. I'm like, okay, Cadillac Williams versus Cleveland. Hmm. Okay, yeah. he's got a, that's a good game for Cadillac. It's not a good game for Marion Barber. Uh, I keep looking at my roster. Let's see. Um, here's Lawrence Robinson. Playing Lawrence Robinson for the Rams. He's playing the Detroit Lions. That's a great matchup. Hmm. You know, so it, it, Marion Barber doesn't give you a definitive, I'm going to throw him in my lineup. And that's the thing that I worry about when some of these guys count on the seventh and eighth round running backs to plug in your lineup. I, the running back by committees are, are just a nightmare on who do I start. And that's why I like, like you said, to get those 300 carry backs. Get them in your lineup. You don't have to worry about them. Exactly. And, uh, you know, that, that keeps you at peace of mind. And that way you know that, look, I've got these backs. You know, I'm, I'm looking good. And plus the backs that can, uh, you know, catch the ball out of the backfield. I mean, that – that even adds more to you. So, uh, you know, it makes you even better. Yeah, that's, that's the thing, Mike. It is it's peace of mind. That's what it's all about. Um, so, Wayne Ferguson took Marion Barber as his running back three. Uh, Darren Armani waits until the seventh round, Mike, to take his tight end. And he gets Owen Daniels. Now, here's the thing I want, I want to tell everybody about the FFPC draft. Um you don't know where these tight ends are going to go. If you bank on tight ends being there, sometimes they're not. Sometimes these FFPC drafts, these guys go tight end crazy and take three tight ends on you. And I was in a draft the other night where all those tight ends were gone. They were all gone by my 6-10. By the 6-10, Dustin Keller, Kellen Winslow, Owen Daniels, Bisanti Shanko, all of them were gone by my 6'10". Now, if you're counting on getting that tight end there, you know, it just they all take on the life of their own. So you've got to be very careful and kind of watch what guys are doing because you could miss out. Now, I missed out on that draft. And then you're saying, well, what do you do? Do you overpay for a Greg Olson to make sure you get it? 
Not me. I don't I don't overpay and just nag Greg Olson just because he's the last one and and you know, so I pass on it all together. I go ahead and punt the tight end position and I go ahead and take other running backs and wide receivers and I load up and I say, Okay, you're gonna screw me out of the tight end, I'm gonna I'm gonna pound away at these guys and make sure I have lots of options because let's face it, Mike, like you said, not only peace of mind for the running back position, you have to cover bye weeks. You have to cover bad matchups, and you have to cover injuries. Three, oh, no, that's, that's three. There's another. You could be dead wrong on the player. The player could not could be a, a head case. He could be a bad work ethic. He could come in his second year and not work as hard as he did the first year. There's four major factors there that prevent you from putting him in your lineup every week. And so you got to have those options at running back and wide receiver. And I think the high-stakes player, if you want to get an edge on the other high-stakes players this year, it's not counting on those RB by committee backs. It's making sure you get them, and, and that's what I think we're going to see. That's my prediction for this draft. You know, I think the guys are all going to come around to that and say, you know what, we're going to get our two running backs early, at least two in the first five rounds. Right, right. I, I, I totally agree, Scott. And you know, that's something that I've uh, I, I, I stand firm on. And uh, in the last couple of mock drafts I've been in, and just uh, the last drafts and. You know, I, I believe in that. You you, you just got to stand firm on that and, and go with it. All right, well, we're seeing a lot of action here. Uh, Jay Cutler did come off the board. Heath Miller came off the board. Jerome Harrison, these are seventh-round guys. Uh, Kellen Winslow is now off the board. He becomes the um, 12th tight end off the board, Kellen Winslow. He, I mean, you know, this is a top ten tight end, and he's coming off the board at number twelve to Tom Fun. Now, Tom waited till the seventh round, Mike, and so did Tommy Yates. Tommy Yates, Darren Armani, and Tom Fund all waited till the seventh round, and they've got a great tight end, Owen Daniels, Keith Miller, and Kellen Winslow. You've got to be happy about how you waited for your tight end, and you got rewarded with a quality, quality player. Now, there's one other team here, Les Sandlin. He's drafting out of the ten hole. He does not have a tight end. Now, oh, now he got it, Vasanti Shanko. There you go. He took the words right out of my mouth. As soon as I look up, he, he takes him. So that's what I was getting ready to say. He, he waits, and he luckily snags, you know, what a lot of people consider to be, you know, the last, uh, right around the last of this tier of tight ends. You've got Carlson still out there, and you've got Keller, but Shanko is that last elite tight end. We think he could be elite this year, especially with the loss of Sidney Rice, Mike. Scott, the only reason, yeah, exactly. The only reason he is elite is uh, the fact that uh, Sidney Rice is hurt, and uh, they've they've got uh, some situations with uh, Percy Harvin. So, uh, you know, that's going to make Sianco a a very uh, viable option in the first uh, four or five weeks. Uh, So, you know, uh, get Sianco that late, that's a steal in my opinion. Yeah, you, you definitely. I I agree with you, man. Okay, we're looking at we're looking at Jeff Gill here. We're we're listening to the live pick by pick coverage of the Big Payback Satellite Draft. All these guys putting up five hundred dollars. Uh, the my uh, ffpc.com fantasy football players championship. I'm sorry, the website is myffpc.com. These guys uh, have the high stakes leagues out in Vegas, Mike. Uh, they they draft out at Caesar's Palace. They have online leagues going on all throughout this year. Uh, for a $350 entry fee, you can enter the Football Guys Players Championship. The grand prize is already guaranteed over $60,000. For a $350 entry fee, you survive your league of 12, you move on to the championship round, 
and you have a chance at a $60,000 top prize for $350. It's really unheard of, Mike. That's quite a, that's quite a top prize for a $350 entry fee. And I want to I want to mention everybody in this big payback draft. The guys at the football uh, the fantasy football players championship opened up a big payback satellite two draft. Uh, if you want in, if you missed out, this draft sold out in record time. They've opened up another one this week, and I expect this draft to open up to sell out in record time as well. It's available on the boards right now. If you like this format, for five hundred dollars. You can win a seat at the Big Payback Draft in Vegas at Caesars Palace. It's a $5,000 entry league fee, Mike, uh, entry wow. fee league, where, where the winner's awesome. going to take upwards of $30,000 in that thing. So, I mean, come on. That's, you know, that's quite a that's amount of money. Thing. All you got to beat is 11 other guys. Yeah, that's a great imitation to uh, have a chance to do that. And, uh, you know, there's so many that uh, they just want to have a chance to be, uh, to get to that elite level. So, uh, apparently, this is your chance. All right. Jeff Gill just took two running backs at the turn, Mike. He waited. I like what he put together his team. He put together his team with uh, Miles Austin, Dallas Clark, Javon Beth, Hakeem Nix, Tony Romo, and Ricky Williams. Now he comes back in the 7-8 turn and takes Fred Jackson and Michael Bush. So, he gets his four running backs. Well, now, Clinton Jackson has an injury, uh, and he's got a brutal, tough playoffs, uh, a, play, a, a regular season schedule, and they're not talking a lot about this injury. There's a hand injury. There's a fracture. He's sidelined for the end of the season. Uh, it requires surgery. He fractured the fourth metacarpal, Mike, and he hopes to be back for the opener, but you got to think that C.J. Spiller has earned his way just with a few highlight reel runs. He's earned, he's earned a little bit more work in this offense, and I think it kind of kills the value of Fred Jackson right now. Well, this draft is uh, going totally against what I uh, what I preach and, and what I thought uh, because there are uh, there are running backs available uh, as we go down the road. Uh, I guess it's because so many wide receivers were taken. Uh, you know, this has been a very weird draft. Uh, C.J. Spiller, uh, you know, I, I think he'll be fine. It's just, I, I'm just amazed at how many running backs are still available. But like I said, it's just uh, because so many wide receivers are being taken, and now the running backs keep going. How tower goes? All right, we're, we're live on the Fantasy Sports Channel. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. We're live on the Fantasy Sports Channel. This fall, the Fantasy Sports Channel will make history all over again with even more live fantasy sports radio than anywhere on the planet. At least 12 hours of fantasy football, baseball, basketball, and hockey action each Monday through Friday. Plus more fantasy sports talk every Saturday and Sunday. More than 50 shows in all from the best fantasy sportscasters in the business. Try getting that on your radio dial. The Fantasy Sports Channel, only on Blog Talk Radio. It's a schedule you can bet on. I've been on ya. I need you right now. I need you right now. 
one bleeds red and one bleeds blue. Two friends, one heated rivalry. It's intense. It's no holds barred. It's game time. On Red versus Blue Sports Talk Radio with your host Scott Atkins and Michael Trent. Scott and Mike and their versatility bring new light to many topics in and out of the world of fantasy sports. Guests can reach the show by calling 347-324-5404. Red vs. Blue Sports Talk Radio, where Planet Red and Big Blue Nation collide. Let's hope they're still friends afterwards. Here they are, Scott and Mike. All right, Mike, we're back here at Red vs. Blue. We're live on the Fantasy Sports Channel. Thanks, uh, wherever you may be, thanks for making us part of your night. I'm Scott Atkins, Team Legacy in the World of High Stakes Fantasy Football. And as always, I'm joined by my big blue co-host from Brandenburg, Kentucky, Michael Trent. Mike, we're watching this big payback satellite draft courtesy of the Fantasy Football Guys. I'm sorry, the Fantasy Football Players Championship. This is a $500 entry fee satellite league. The winner gets a free entry, a free seat at the championship, the big payback draft in Las Vegas next year in 2011. That league is a $5,000 entry fee where the winner uh, takes on 11 other guys, and he's going for a shot at upwards of $30,000, Mike. This is the big payback satellite, and we're in in the eighth round. Yeah, in the eighth round, uh, we saw uh, Gaffney Gold and – uh, Brett Fogg just went, and uh, along with uh, John Carlson, this has been a fun draft to uh, track and uh, commentary uh, to commentate on. I love it, and uh, you know we still got uh, we still got some rounds to go, so there's still a lot of players uh, that are out there. But it's been fun to watch the the, the way uh, different owners have gone from uh, running back or wide receiver heavy and uh, vice versa. All right, and I want to run down uh, run down the uh, the action here for for everybody, just to kind of catch up at home that is that are just now joining us. If you didn't get the memo, we started at 10 o'clock Eastern tonight. Our normal time starts at 11 o'clock. You can catch Red Blue Radio every Friday night at 11 o'clock Eastern. This was a special start time at 10 o'clock to cover this draft. And uh, you can also catch us on Twitter, Red Blue Radio, uh, over at Twitter. Uh, and, again, the phone number here for the show, 347-324-5404. We do have an issue. Recovery boy, Tommy Yates, was skipped, it appears. And so they're going to back up this draft a little bit for him. Uh, it looks like the draft is paused. We've got a technical issue with Tommy Yates. Tommy Yates is the returning champion, so we're going to give him the benefit of the doubt here. Uh, but let's take a look at what these guys have assembled. I'm scanning these teams a little bit. Uh, let me let me tell you a team that I'm really I'm really feeling right now, Mike. Uh, you've got a team here. You've got a team here in Les Sandlin. Les Sandlin uh, started the draft with Randy Moss and Reggie Wayne. Again, two consummate professionals. He comes back with Ryan Grant, Chris Beanie Wells, who again not the starter yet, but in the fourth round I'll take the chance. And I love Arian Foster this year in the fifth round. Five five ten. He gets his RB three. It's starting running back in Houston who's going to get a lot of work. Uh, Matt Schaub is his quarterback in the sixth. Visanti Shanko, he steals and snags the last tight end of that tier there. Visanti Shanko in the seventh. Well, I guess you could call Cross on the last of the tier. And then he gets Devin Hester as his wide receiver three. So I kind of like what Les Sandlin's doing. Now, 
you can debate the Devin Hester pick. I mean, T.J. Hoosman should get a lot of work this year. He could have had Hoos. I see 80, 85 balls out of Hoos. And then you got Jabbar Gaffney, who's in a great situation with Denver, looked fantastic at the end of the year. I think that's two wide receivers I'd rather have than Devin Hester. But talk about Les's draft, Mike. Yeah, you know, it looks pretty good. I mean, he, he's got a lot of possibilities there, and uh, he's taken some, uh, I would call, flowers at the uh, wide receiver position. But, uh, you know, I mean, he, he's not afraid to pull the trigger and uh, pull the trigger on some young kids and uh, young kids that can make a difference. And so th- that's why I believe in his draft and I believe in what he's doing. Uh, I, I would still like a, a few uh, running backs in there or a more seasoned running backs plugged in there, but uh, you know, other than that, I mean, he looks pretty good in, in, in his uh, in his draft right now, Scott. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot to like on that team. There's also a couple of other teams here that um, that, that are looking pretty good. Uh, I, you know, to be honest with you, none of these teams have uh, put a nail in their coffin, so to speak, at this point. You know, I, I think the, the the interesting thing about the um, FFPC format is that you're really never out of it. With the with the type of draft, a team construction isn't as important, in my opinion, as you know the, the the players that you take. So if you don't construct your team the right way, the fact that you can still start two tight ends, uh, or let's say you you know you, you you're taking players and then you oops I forgot to get my wide receivers. Uh, you know you don't you only have to start two. You don't have to start three every week. So it makes it so that team construction isn't as important as uh, ultimately, you know, getting the best guy that's uh, available to you. You know, some I'm seeing in every uh, in every lineup right now, Scott, I'm going through them, and uh, there's very few flaws. And like we, uh, like we posted, uh, and I hate to, you know, just belabor the point that these guys are good, but they are. Uh, you talk about the best ADP you can go, go by uh, in late situation drafts, uh, this is it. I mean, these guys are drafting spot on because there's a, you know, they're taking different angles, but the bottom line is they're taking the different players for their situation, and I, and I love that. Well, there's a, these guys uh, all again all ponied up five hundred dollars and, and agreed to have their draft discussed here on live on Red vs. Blue. They're not afraid of the of the media attention. They're not afraid of getting their pick sniped. They have a plan. They're not worried about somebody calling out their pick. Or calling out their draft, you know, a lot of guys are. They don't. They they they're not ready to uh, embrace the media attention that comes with the draft. They'd rather have it hush hush. Make sure that they don't have names. They want to send cones of silence or something in our draft board and and right now. These guys don't care about it because. Well, Scott, these guys these guys don't care about it because they know what they're doing, and, and this is good stuff. I mean, uh, you know, Eli Manning going off right now, and uh, you know. These guys, they have a plan in place, and that's what it's all about. Have a plan in place and know what you want to do and just go from there. I think the most interesting pick here of this eighth round has got to be our defending champion, uh, Tommy Yates, recovery boys, taking Mike Williams from Tampa Bay, Mike. He takes Mike Williams as a wide receiver. He takes him uh, as a um, a great add-on, a wide receiver four to Andre Johnson, Larry Fitzgerald, and Johnny Knox he already has in the stable. He takes Mike Williams as his four over other wide receivers, such as uh, Lee Evans, Derek Mason, and Donald Driver. Robert Meacham is on the board, and Des Bryant, too, Mike. Mike Williams, a rookie, K-1 
can you take what do you what do you think about that pick? This is our defending champion taking a, a shot here at the number one receiver apparently in Tampa in Mike Williams. Well, you know what? I would uh, I I probably wouldn't go Des Bryant. So uh, he's he's taking the safe pick, in my opinion. Uh, I mean, he's taking the safe pick and uh, doing what he needs to do uh, because well, there's, well, 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 no, no. Balls, got, there's not enough balls got, to be thrown around uh, Dallas. So no, no, no. Well, well, you're, you're you're off track here, Mike. Let's slow, let, let, let's slow back here. He took Mike Williams from Tampa. That's the player. He took the rookie, Mike Williams. I'm asking you what you thought about the rookie, Mike Williams, from Tampa. You said it. that's not a safe pick. That's that's a definite reach, upside-type pick. Mike Williams from Tampa? No, no, no. There's nothing wrong with that pick. Okay. Well, there's yeah. nothing wrong with that pick at all. All right. Well, you know, I'm a guy that, uh, you know, as your wide receiver four, I'm not looking to take a uh, a risk on a guy who I don't know who the quarterback is. I'm not real sure if it's Josh Freeman, is he healthy or not, and if it's not Josh Freeman, who the heck is it? And at, at that point in the draft, when I can get a guy, Aaron Rodgers, uh, number one target, I mean, Donald Driver, he's still, he looks fine to me. And, you know, I, I mean, he had knee surgery in the offseason, exploratory to clean up that knee. He looks fantastic to me. I don't, I don't see a problem taking a Donald Driver in the eighth round or a Des Bryant. You know, these are guys that have huge – Tremendous upside in the offenses that they're in, and to take Mike Williams in Tampa, that's, that's a little bit of a, a change-up uh, pick for 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 Tommy. I wasn't expecting that. Well, people are sometimes they're so afraid of taking the uh, older run or older wide receiver and this and that, but uh, you know, I, he he just he decided that that was his pick and that's what he wanted to make, and uh, I don't have a problem with that. Well, maybe this is the year that Donald Driver uh, does fall off, but I, I haven't seen a lot of signs that that's going to happen yet. And especially, I owned I owned Jennings last year, and, and I can tell you, when Rogers steps back, he's looking for Donald Driver. That's his guy that moves the change. Now, when he wants to go for a big play, and he's got a cornerback that he can exploit, he'll throw to Greg Jennings. But for the most sure. part, when he's moving the change, he's going to go to Donald Driver, and now he's going to go to Jermichael Finley. He's got two options that, man, if that coverage rolls over to Jenning, uh, uh, to Finley, you're, you're talking about Donald Driver being being left alone with some, you know, corner that, I, you know, nobody's stopped him yet so far. Right. And, uh, you know, I mean, he, he may have screwed up there, uh, but I don't know. I mean, Apparently he has a plan in place, and uh, you can't fault a drafter for having a plan in place. Uh, he's probably looking at it, going, "Oh my, you know, I wish I, I wish I would have had, uh, I wish I had taken uh, Donald Driver, but uh, he didn't. But at that at that point in that position, then it could have been a bye week situation. Uh, you never know. So he, he may have uh, went ahead and decided to take Mike Williams for that reason. Mike well, hey, you know what? I, what do I know? You know, these guys these guys are more accomplished than I am. Uh, these, these guys are all right here uh, in the thick of things. Donald Driver's still out there. He has not left. Robert Meacham is still out there. He has not went anywhere. I've got to expect these couple of guys here to be a couple of the next guys taken. Let's see what, who needs them. Um, Les Sandlin, uh, he has Reggie Wayne, Randy Moss, and Devin Hester. Yeah, you know, you could use another uh, – 
it'd be nice to have another wide receiver here to, to in case Devin Hester isn't the wide receiver three that you think he is. Kip Lockwood definitely I needs him. He only has two wide receivers on the roster. And Jeff Gill, Miles Austin, and Hakeem Nix, he definitely needs a wide receiver. So I, I expect that Donald Driver's name is getting queued up here right along with Robert Meacham in the next couple I'll, of picks. You know, Scott, I, I don't think it will because I think they're they're listening too much to me, believe it or not. I know it's a shocker, but uh, Billy, uh, he took Steve Slayton, uh, and uh, it could be another running back coming off the board because I've been preaching running backs, running backs, running backs, get them. So, uh, I don't know. It uh, could be another running back coming off the board. Well, I tell you what, you know, I'm usually a, a huge fan of what Billy does in drafts, but not tonight. Uh, I'm, not, I'm, I'm having a hard time uh, seeing Amon Bradshaw, C.J. Spiller, and Steve Slayton being a running back crew you can count on, even if you're only going to start two every week. At this point, he's going to start Calvin Johnson, Santana Moss. Calvin Johnson, Santana Moss, and Hushman Zana. Uh, he's also going to start now, I love Finley and Selleck uh, as, a, you know, a tight end and a flex option. That's fantastic. But this is the price you pay when you take Peyton Manning in, in the fourth round. Uh, maybe you could have had Jay Cutler in the sixth, or maybe you could have had, you know, a guy here in the ninth and, and, and been able to, you know, pass on Peyton Manning, maybe grab a running back like Matt Forte, Joe Adai, or something like that. That team would have shaped up a little bit differently. Maybe you could have taken – Die and Bradshaw. Now, if you have a fascination with C.J. Spiller, okay, I get that. You get him in the sixth, but you really need another running back there kind of in that fourth to, for me to feel better about that team. Now, now, Mike, what did I tell you? Donald Driver and Robert Meacham back-to-back, buddy. Ring up the pole for team right now. Barry and Wright Ashland. I was now, wrong. I was wrong. I, I thought that they would keep uh, doing that running back run, but uh, – didn't happen. Well, Bernard Berrien is a guy that, uh, obviously, uh, if you're playing in the Football Guy $35,000 subscriber contest, it's going to be hard for you not to put him in there. But Bernard Berrien is uh, in a great situation right now as one of the top targets for Brett Favre, uh, who we saw go earlier tonight. I'm sorry, is Brett Favre still out there? No, Brett Favre is still, Brett Favre is still available. Uh, yeah. And there's only there's only Tommy Yates is the only guy that doesn't have his quarterback. Mike, could we see Brett Favre in the tenth round for our defending champion? Uh, Brett Favre in the tenth round for Tommy Yates. I'm calling it. No, I'm not. I'll, I'll say he won't go far, but I'll say he'll go uh, in another direction. Uh, say a uh, Matt Ryan or uh, Matt Castle. I'd say Matt Ryan. You know what? Um, Jeff Gill's in a tough spot here because he has uh, only two wide receivers. There's not a lot of wide receivers out here right now. Uh, Lee Evans, Breston, Masakwai. Uh, he, he goes ahead and takes a shot with Eddie Royal. And, again, I like that. I don't I like, like that. that. I don't... You know, Scott, somebody's going to have to clue me in. Uh, you know, I, he took him, uh, Eddie Royal, at uh, what, the uh, – what was it, the 10-1? Nine twelve. Okay. Well, I have a real problem with Eddie Royal. He has shown nothing. He's in an offense that is has really shown nothing. Uh, so help me out with uh, why do you take Eddie Royal at this spot? 
Okay, well, I'll help you out, Mike. Uh, again, you've got to be you got to be savvy here to uh, to see the the joy in an Eddie Royal pick in the ninth round, Mike. You said that Denver's offense hasn't shown anything, Mike. They had 3,800 yards in the passing game last year. Those yards have got to go somewhere because, again, no Sean Moreno looks a little worse for wear. It's not. I don't. I don't expect that running game to do more. They signed Kyle Orton to another contract. They gave him some big money. They're going to tell him McDaniel's going to say, "Air this sucker out." We've got Jabbar Gaffney. We've got Eddie Royal. Those are two guys that I think you it are locks for a thousand yards, Mike. Uh, nice if you have no run, Scott, if you have no running game, you have no passing game. Well, look, 540 attempts last year, Mike. 540 attempts. Kyle Orton completing over 60% of his balls. Uh, this is a guy that uh, look. These this this is the offense that Josh McDaniels runs. You're gonna see it. It's not going anywhere. It's here to stay. It comes from New England. This is a passing offense. And you, you, with Eddie Royal in the ninth, I, we already revealed Eddie Royal as our value play of the year uh, here on Red versus Blue a few weeks back. Some folks prefer Jabbar Gaffney. Uh, I, I think a lot of Jabbar Gaffney, too. But Eddie Royal, Jabbar Gaffney, either one of those guys, eighth, ninth round, I think you're getting a great value pick there uh, for the situation that you're, that you're coming up on. And especially with Jeff, he waited on wide receiver. I mean, he got his, he got Miles Austin, he got Hakeem Nix, but he needs another weapon. And look, okay. you take that, you take Eddie Royal in the ninth, and, and you feel a little bit better about things. Okay, well, he took Eddie Royal. Would you take Eddie Royal ahead of, uh, say, uh, Lee Evans, who just went? Yes, absolutely. Look, you've got you've got a big, you've got a big problem uh, with with Lee Evans, and it's not it's not his talent. It's the talent of the quarterback in that offense. Uh, when you look around and you're going to play defense in the AFC East, you've got to play Miami. You've got to play the New York Jets in Darrell Revis eventually. Uh, and you've got to play the New England Patriots. That's six games out of the year. That schedule is not one for the faint of heart when you're a wide receiver. You look around the field for Buffalo, and you don't have a lot of other weapons that just scare you. And so with that being the fact, uh, you know, you're going to see double coverages on Lee Evans if you have to. If he starts to burn people and he starts to have a good year, the defenses are going to correct that and and just lock it down. So, you know, Lee Evans isn't the guy that I'm considering when, when you've got Eddie Royal in a more dynamic offense. You've got Kyle Orton who can really throw the ball around. 3,800 yards isn't in the imagination of Trent Edwards. You know, Buffalo Buffalo is not going to – how many yards do you predict for Buffalo, Mike? Oh, it's not going to be that much, but, uh, you know – Lee Evans is going to be the one viable option. And do you think they'll get? Do you think they'll get to the three thousand yards? Possibly. Okay, possibly. And you've got a quarterback in. You've got a quarterback in Denver that's throwing for a whole lot more than that, Mike. I mean, you've got thirty eight hundred yards in Denver. So uh, you know, here Trent Edwards threw for eleven hundred yards. Scott, you have improved defenses out of. Uh, Kansas City, Oakland, uh, San Diego, the whole bunch that are going to face these guys twice a year. Okay, well, good. So they're so they're going to be they're going to be playing from behind. Is that what you're saying? No, I'm saying that the defenses are going to be better, and Denver is going to have a tougher time scoring. Denver's. I will be. You know, here I go. Here I go. You're baiting me in, but. Uh, Denver is uh, – they'll be lucky to finish 500. 
They'll be lucky to be 8-8 eight eight this year. I, I don't care about wins or losses. All I care about is that during these playoff weeks, look, week 10, Kansas City, week 11, San Diego, week 12, St. Louis, week 13, Kansas City. Losses, hey, wins hey, and hey. losses translate to numbers out of your players. Mike, you got to listen to the facts here. Kansas City, Arizona, week 14, okay? These are... These are great matchups all throughout this playoff run. Look, Kansas City, San Diego, St. Louis, Kansas City, Arizona. That's his week 10 through week 14 schedule. you got to like that. That's going to be a lot of fantasy points for the playoff weeks when you need it the most. So let's okay. move on and keep the discussion rolling. We're, we're going to disagree, and I don't want to pound, a, pound, a, pound that horse uh, here. Okay. Let's, let's move on. Darren McFadden gets taken in the 10th round. We're going to see a little bit of him tomorrow. Uh, Darren McFadden rounds out Les Sandlin's uh, – Les Sandlin's running back, that's his number four running back. I, again, I like what Les is doing. You can get Darren McFadden and Robert Meacham in the ninth and tenth. He's taking huge upside guys. And, and that's what you kind of do in these high-stakes contests. You fill out your lineup in the first eight picks, and then you just start throwing darts, Mike. You throw darts for the biggest upside guys you could possibly dream of. How about this dart? Benson Jackson just went. That's a dart. Absolutely. Absolutely. This late in the draft, uh, that's the time to take him. You don't have to worry about him being in your lineup, but if this guy signs, if the, if the agents work it out, you know, here's how this thing's going to go. And it's kind of it's kind of like the, 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 Darrell, the Darrell Rivas thing. I was talking to a friend today. You expect these guys to get signed, but what you don't expect is for these long contract situations to get resolved to this year. Uh, I think we've seen that both sides have kind of dug their heels in the, in the sand and said we're not budging. This is not going to happen for either one of us. And so what I think you're going to see is you're going to see a meeting of the minds and say, you know what, that's a lot of money to leave out on the table. You don't want to miss the entire season and leave that money out there. So I'll tell you what we'll do. Let's go to Chris Johnson route. Let's go to Chris Johnson route and sign a one-year deal. Get a one-year deal in the books. Let's get you out on the field. We'll figure this other stuff up at a later date. Well, you know what, Scott? Uh, chances are they may do that because they know what's uh, they know what's pending comes uh, the CBA in uh, 2011. Uh, you know, I hate to bring that up, uh, but it's it's a fact. It's it's a right. fact that uh, you know the owners they like what they're getting. The own the players they they like what they're getting, but uh, owners want an 18 game season and uh, the players don't. So. There's a lot of issues, but that's down the road. That's down the road. Uh, you know, we'll just uh, worry about what, what we got going right here in 2010. Well, Jeff Tiarabasi is the one who took Vincent Jackson. And let's recap Jeff's draft for a second. If I had some cool sound effects and, and, and projector, I'd put them up here for you. Maurice Jones-Drew, Richard Mendenhall, Pierre Thomas. Love those first three running backs. He comes back with Crabtree and Joe Adai, Mike. He's starting four running backs. Elite quality running backs. Joe Dyer is your RB4. I mean, come on. He's got Michael Crabtree and Mike Wallace as his starting wide receivers. Then he's got Jay Cutler and John Carlson. Look at that 18. All right, he's got eight guys. Now, he's following the red versus blue strategy here to a T. He's got eight solid guys, Mike, and then, then he starts throwing darts. Des Bryant and Vincent Jackson. Are you kidding me? Those are huge upside guys. Jeff Tirabasi is dominating this draft. Scott, that's that's where I'm going back to where I was talking about just uh, you know, about an hour ago when I said, look, guys, you can get get your running backs now, 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 and then you can fill in your lineup with 
wide receivers and a tight end here or there, and you're going to be gold. Hey, I have a feeling that we're going to see this strategy repeated. He made a very wise move in taking Michael Crabtree when he did uh, because I think that's a wide receiver that he covets. And to get him, you're ensuring you get a wide receiver one that you can live with. Now, to be honest with you, he could have taken a die at the first four picks and four running backs and came back in the fifth round with a Dwayne Moe. But, hey, he likes Michael Crabtree. You get him in the fold. You don't have to worry about things. Now, let's take a look. If he had passed on that RB4 in the fifth and gotten a Dwayne Bow, he gets to be starting Bow and Crabtree as his wide receiver, too, instead of Mike Wallace. But, Mike, what would have become of his RB4? His RB4 would have been a Varian Barber or a Felix Jones. Now, Mike, at this point, I think there's a big difference between Joe Adai and Marion Barber. Do you agree or disagree? Uh, what what difference would that be? I mean, uh, you know, between Barber and uh, Adai, was it, uh, are you basing that on the concussion Adai had? Or, uh, I'm, basing it, I'm basing it on Joseph Adai's uh, number seven finish as a running back. He scored 250 fantasy points last year. Again, that's 2009. I don't want to get hung up in what they did last year. But not a lot has changed in that offense. Donald Brown was expected to be the guy, maybe. A guy proved he was the man in Indianapolis. He's in a con- He's in the last year of his contract. I think they're going to work Joseph Adai to death and let him ride off into the sunset. Or maybe they reward him with a contract. Who knows? But Joseph Adai has proven in that offense, in a timeshare situation, to be a top ten running back. What did Marion Barber do, Mike, when Felix Jones and Tashard Choice were entered into the equation? He dropped down to 180 points. He was injured. I'll give you that. He did get an injury, and he played through that injury, uh, but only for 200 carries, seven touchdowns, 26 receptions. He saw declines in every part of his game. Both playoff games, Mike, he was a non-factor. We're talking about 18 total yards in two playoff games. It was the Felix Jones show. There's a lot more concern for me as a high-stakes player to count on Marion Barber than it is to count on Joseph Adai. I really like the approach that Jeff did. He went ahead and snagged his RB4 and passed up some really good wide receiver twos. It's a bold move. I think he rewarded it. What you have to understand is, what you obviously understand is that uh, Joseph Adai is in a pass-happy offense. It's pass-happy. It's pass-first. That's what they're going to do. Dallas, uh, they're... They don't know what they want to do, to be honest with you, uh, as far as pass, run, this and that. Uh, if uh, Josh is there uh, for uh, Josh Held on date Richard's decisions, that would be one heck of a of, of a lineup there. Joseph Adai versus Marion Barber. Who scores the most fantasy points? Well, I think as indicated by the ADP, uh, I think, you know, you may be, you may be right, but indicated by the ADP, I think that's a, a Joseph Adai, uh, a Joseph Adai runaway for that, for that poll. But maybe, maybe you can come up with one. Maybe we, maybe we keep uh, hammering away at it. Now, we just saw Julian Edelman come off the board. Again, a, an interesting player there. And, and, the, and the interesting thing is that, you know, he stole him, in my opinion, from the Wes Welker owner and Darren Armani at the three pick. He grabs him before. Uh, you know, I mean, as a Wes Welker owner, Edelman would be a nice little uh, pickup for you as a, as a handcuff. If you take Wes Welker in the fourth, getting Edelman in the eleventh would feel pretty good, Mike. Brett Favre is off the board, and guess what? I just saw that. 
Brett Favre goes to the Philip Rivers owner. I think that's a little bit of a defensive move, Mike. I don't think that's offense. I think he's playing defense there. What do you think? He's blocking. He's blocking right now. He's using Brett, Brett Favre as a blocker, and uh, there, there's no there, there's no harm in that. I tell you what, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a caller here because we've been uh, we've been rolling pretty good. This is a call from the three one seven, my neck of the woods. Uh, caller, you're on the air with Red versus Blue. Good evening, fellas. Russ Steele here. What's up, Russ? How you guys doing? Pretty good. How are you? I'm uh, in a good mood tonight. My boys' high school team won 24-14, so you can't, uh, uh, you know, you can't catch me in a bad mood tonight. Awesome, right. that's a good feeling. Look, look, looking, looking forward to that, man. Uh, getting a, going on a Friday night life and watching the kids. How old is he? He is a sophomore. Picking up where his awesome. big brother left off. His big brother just graduated last year, moved on to college, first year of college this year, and. Uh, so the sophomore is following in his footsteps. And what position does he play? He is a uh, offensive tackle. Uh, he's kind of all over the place. He fills in wherever. And uh, on defense, he's a defensive end. 6'2 and about 230, so with room to grow. That's a, that's a, that's a proud popper right there, and I, I can't wait for those uh, for that to happen for, for me. i got a couple of young ones myself. Well, well, Russ uh, Steele is an accomplished high-stakes player. Thanks for joining Red vs. Blue tonight, man. Uh, if you can see this draft board in front of you, uh, we just saw a move, and I want to get your feedback on it. We just saw a player who had Philip Rivers in the sixth. Not a lot of questions about Philip Rivers. Steals Brett Favre in the 11th from a guy who does not have a quarterback. Now, tell me about what you think about playing defense with the 11th-round pick. Well, I, you know, I think uh... – you know, 11th round is probably okay. You still need, you know, your bye week fill in, and uh, it's probably as good a time as any. You know, when you look at some of the other talent on the board, I mean, you're, you're like you said earlier, you're kind of throwing darts at this point. So, you know, why not get somebody that, uh, you know, you feel pretty confident could step in for the at one week and then as well play a little bit of defense against uh, Mr. Yates. So, well, we yeah, I'm okay with it. We actually have a change. We have an announcement to make. It sounds like that was a player. It was a computer error. That was a computer error for Darren Armani. His computer froze, and it gave him the top player on the board. So apparently, we have an interesting development here in the big payback draft. He takes Lawrence Robinson instead, throws a dart at, at Sam Bradford's favorite player, possibly, and Tommy Ace does get his guy, Brett Favre. So. What an interesting turn here for Tommy H. Mike, Brett Favre in the 11th round. You know, when I saw that, I was like, uh, this this has got to be, uh, this isn't right. But, uh, you know, I mean, I just saw Dustin Keller go off, and uh, it's, it's crazy. I mean, it's... Yeah, that, that, that's, a, that's very late for Dustin Keller. And, and, Russ, I'll let you comment because you've participated in these FFPC drafts. You know them quite well. The other night I was in a draft, and by the 6-10 pick, all of those tight ends that you hear, uh, you know, Dustin Keller, uh, John Carlson, all those guys, they were off the board by 6-10. But tonight you see a guy like Dustin Keller last till the 11th. What in the world is going on with the high stakes world of fantasy football this year? Well, I think, you know, you've got a collection of uh, you know, outstanding drafters here tonight that 
are, you know, wanting to make sure that they secure those, uh, you know, top two wide receiver and running back positions and, and load up. And, uh, you know, so it's not surprising to me that the tight ends fall back here a little bit. I think, you know, based on some of those, uh, you know, the football guys drafts that are going on, you know, it's just a completely different story than, than really, I think, what you'll end up seeing in the main events. Well, that's, that's, that's some good insight because everybody listening tonight, high-stakes players or otherwise, trying to get a feel and a read on these drafts, when they get to Vegas, what's it going to expect. Talk about how you're using these drafts to, to prepare. What are, you, what are you looking for? What are you looking at? Are you looking at team construction or are you looking at uh, ADP? What exactly are you gaining from these drafts, Russ? Well, yeah, I mean, for me, I, you know, to be quite honest with you, I, I'm jotting down every uh, the, the draft board as it happens, and uh, it'll absolutely help me get a better understanding of, uh, you know, really when it comes down to crunch time, you know, what we're looking at here. So, yeah, I absolutely would be using this towards my ADP. Yeah, and one of the things I do, and I guess I'll give the listeners a feel for how I'm doing this, I'm, I'm watching the draft unfold on the RT Sports page, I'm loading those players in as we go to the Draft Dominator. The Draft Dominator gives you a, a nice color pictorial draft board so you can kind of see how these teams put together their drafts. And, you know, I can look at a glance and see Darren Armani and his draft strategy. So, Russ, let's take a look at Darren Armani real quick. He starts off the draft from the three-hole. Everybody knows that if you're in the top four, you're getting one of those running backs very likely, very hard to turn down. He comes back and he... And he, and he Drills and fires away at three wide receivers, Deshaun, Colston, and Welker. He knows he's going to get a, a quality running back in the fifth, the caliber of Moreno or a die, guys that were, you know, top ten talents. And then he comes back, fills up his lineup with Rivers and Owen Daniels. Uh, what do you think about that lineup and the decision to uh, build his team in that manner? Well, I mean, you know, some of it, to be honest with you, is going to be player preference. Um yeah, you know, there, there's some players that I am not as high on as uh, obviously Darren is here. But, you know, I mean, as far as how he's built the draft, you know, to get to get a, a quarterback to the quality of Rivers in the sixth round, you know, he's waited. Um, you know, I guess he's, he's willing to uh, take the risk for some of the upside with some of the players. You know, Welker has looked good, but, you know, we haven't really seen him start to make those sharp cuts. Owen Daniels, you know, we hear good things, but he hasn't really been pushed at this point. Um, you know, so, I mean, Massaquah, who knows? You know, Robinson, I mean, there's, there's just a lot of questions. There's a little bit too much, uh, for me anyway, a little bit too much risk here. It, it, it's either going to be, you know, kind of a boom or bust type team as, as I look at it right now. Well, let, let, let's continue to talk then. Uh, we've got Russ Steele on here, an accomplished high-stakes player. He actually led the regular season in points at the Fantasy Football Players Championship last year. Had he spent $100, Russ, I'm sorry i got to bring it up, on the Player for Life contest, Russ, what would you have, 20 years of free entries in the main event? Yeah, about uh, a little over $30,000 the way I calculate it. And, uh, yeah, it's wow. still painful today. Well, it's. Uh, hey, I hope you repeat, and I hope you join it this year. We will definitely root for you in that regard. Let's talk about backup quarterbacks for a second. There's a good chat in our in our chat room here at the crew, Red versus Blue. They're talking about backup quarterbacks. And at, at what point are you are you considering a backup quarterback? I mean, let's face it. This year, you know, Rivers, Rogers, 
Peyton, Brady, Shaw, Breeze, Romo. I'm not thinking about backup quarterbacks if I've got one of those. Are you? Um, no, you know, not not really. I mean, it, it really depends on where you're taking your quarterback, right? You know, so those players that start out really early, obviously, you know, you're going to draft your backup a little later. Uh, you know, you start to get into the 12, 13, 14 round. That's usually, you know, for me, is kind of the sweet spot to get that backup uh, when you have one of the studs. You know, it's kind of the whole if you wait to get your starter, then you're, you know, you're usually wanting to be one of the first guys to get your backup. Um, and, you know, at this point, and I haven't followed past uh, uh, round 11, pick 10, but uh, at this point in the draft, you know, there's a lot of, um, I would say, lower-end quarterback ones that uh, have yet to secure, you know, some of those top-end quarterback twos. So I, my guess would be that you're going to have a bunch of them start to fly off the board here pretty quickly. Oh, here's one that I'm talking about right here, Kip Lockwood. He he spent his third round pick on Drew Brees. So at that point in the draft, uh, you, he he follows it up with the twelfth round pick of Ben Roethlisberger. Now, you know the next pick right after him, two picks later, you get Bernie Scott off the board. Now he's a center bench and owner. Kip Lockwood is, and and you would think that maybe you know starting to back up uh, a Cedric Benson would make sense at that point in the draft. Uh, what do you think of the Ben Roethlisberger? You know, backing up Drew Brees with Ben Roethlisberger, is that more of a defensive move in your mind? Yeah, I, you know, I mean, for me, I, that wouldn't have been the call there. Uh, you know, it's going to be awful hard to pull Drew Brees out of a lineup on any given week. Right. So, you know, for me, uh, to your point, you know, Scott, I would probably be taking my backup. But, you know, I'd be, uh, you know, toughing some players at this point. You know, because really when you look at it, you know, I mean – the way I see it right now, anyway, and, and again, I've uh, fallen a little bit behind in the draft just because I'm on the phone with you guys, but, you know, Bush, Benson, Portis, and, and LT, you know, Portis and LT are, are uh, two big question marks there. So, you know, whether you're getting your cuff for Benson or, you know, you're just trying to look for another upside guy even, you know, to help fill in just in case, um, you know, what's going to impact your, your uh, you know, your team more? during that regular season? Is it by getting, you know, Roethlisberger that's probably going to be on your bench all but maybe one or two, you know, games in the year or, you know, getting somebody that you, you know, potentially could be relying on for half the season or more? Yeah. And, you know, you've got uh, Tommy Yates on the clock right now with Brett Favre, five running backs, four wide receivers already, uh, Andre Johnson, Larry Fitzgerald. I got one heck of a team. But he only has one tight end here in Heath Miller, the problem is I don't see a lot of other options here, so maybe he just goes ahead and backs up Brett Favre here and takes a uh, you know a Donovan McNabb, maybe a Matt Stafford or something along that line. I don't see a lot of other options maybe screaming at me. Uh, you know, um, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, to be, no, no, I was just going to say, um, you know, I, I happen to not be very high on Favre this year. And, and the news keeps getting worse and worse there. So, for me, um, you know, I still see at least two quarterbacks on the board that I have rated higher than Favre. So, uh, I would definitely be, you know, making a uh, you know, making a move to get my back up. All right, so maybe it's Carson Palmer here. Let's yeah, see what he does. I'll jump in. I'm running out high on Favre this year either, and uh, – you know, I asked myself why I'm not high on Favre. Uh, is it because of his age? Uh, 
uh, is because, you know, let's face it, he, he's coming off his best year ever. So is it because of his receivers? I mean, where we draw that line in is where he is very good and not very good. Well, uh, Mike, we've got Donnie Yates on the clock right now. Uh, apparently having another computer issue. That's why it's nice that in these leagues we have a commish on the on the clock with us. So uh, thanks to the FFPC for having a commish on board that can handle these problems. He takes Jermaine Gresham, a very interesting pick here. Uh, definitely uh, Carson Palmer has, has taken a liking to this kid, and they've never really had a tight end to really exploit. So it's going to be interesting to see if they – I mean, is this the offense that that, that they're hoping for? They, they're talking about opening it up for us, but, you know, this is still a running team. I mean, it's uh, Four I, balls, I, man. Not sure I'm a believer in a, in a, in a spread, you know, type of offense for this uh, for these Bengals. Last well, four yeah. Finally went, uh, last four, last four finally went, and uh, as far as the Bengals goes, that's four balls. That, that's four balls you got to uh, – uh, Lance Moore, uh, I mean, I'm not – I'm sorry, but uh, – Gresham and uh, Ocho Cinco and, you know, T.O. and Cedric Benson. So that's going to make it uh, very interesting, guys. Yeah, I mean, my thoughts there is, uh, you know, taking Gresham, Tom must have the inside scoop on uh, some rules change where the ball boys are going to be allowed to be on the field uh, feeding Palmer multiple times throughout each play because uh, there's way too many egos for Gresham to step up to that, uh, that much. Hey, it's interesting. Uh, uh, so, again, we've got uh, Correll Buckhalter comes off the board. Darren Armani uh, drafted Noshaw Moreno, so obviously he wants a little bit of insurance there. Um, you've got, uh, obviously, these handcuffs start coming off the board, you know. Uh, Darren already lost his Ray Rice handcuff in the 10th round to John Haskell. Willis McGahee went in the 10th. Very interesting to see those those types of moves being made. Uh, pound for pounds on the clock, Wayne Ferguson right now. Uh, Steve Smith, Malcolm Floyd, Derek Mason, Mike Thomas, Julian Edelman are his wide receivers. Chris Johnson, D'Angelo, Barber, and Taylor are his running backs. He's got the best quarterback in the game right now, arguably Aaron Rodgers, and a heck of a tight end in Zach Miller. Russ, he can do just about anything he wants right now in this draft. It just all comes down to what kind of player you, you, you have that's uh, sitting out in here that you think is value. What do you see? Well, I mean, honestly, you know, Scott, I'm glad we finally got to uh, you know pound for pound because – uh, as we got on the phone, I had him down as uh, having the best draft in my estimation thus far. Um, so, you know, there is there is some uh, real opportunity there. And I guess, uh, you know, part of that is, you know, getting Rodgers at uh, 3-2 to pair up with Johnson. And, and like you said, a high upside tight end that has a quarterback that looks for the tight end. Uh, you know, to me, I think he's having a heck of a draft. And also, you know, I mean, with D'Angelo Williams, you know, you've got a running back that um, has the potential to score 20 touchdowns. And, uh, you know, there's there's some question marks around Jonathan Stewart that, you know, for me, that, that to me is one of the best picks he's made at this point. So, I don't know, I'm pretty excited about, uh, you know, what I saw you know, Wayne putting together there. Well, Wayne's got a good team, and I'll give you that. But let's take a look. His two flex options after his good lineup, his two flex options right now are Marion Barber and Derek Mason. And I'm not real sure, and especially, I mean, bye weeks, you got to navigate those. 
He's got Marion Barber, Chester Taylor, Derek Mason, and Steve Smith all on by week eight. Definitely going to have a problem there. Uh, but, you know, with Marion Barber and Derek Mason, uh, I don't know if those are two guys I can count on every week. Now, maybe it is. Maybe Mason, you know, says, hey, you know what, I was the number one target last year. Bolden comes into town. Are there going to be magical balls appear out of this offense? Uh, are they going to take some from Ray Rice? I think some will go from Ray Rice. Maybe 20 balls will come off of Ray Rice. That's to be expected. Maybe Mason sees a, you know, a 20-ball decline. That's 40 balls for Bolden. Then the other ball has got to be generated by Flacco, just you know, being more of a, a passing offense for Bolden to get his 70 balls or so. So I'm not sure that I feel real comfortable about Barber and Mason being my two flex options when Jeff Terabasi sitting over here starring Pierre Thomas and Joe Adile on me every week. I mean, yeah, you're getting an upside in Aaron Rodgers over color, but, I mean, is Rodgers going to make up that much of a difference with the two flex options being, you know, significantly less? I'm not, I'm not sure. I think Rodgers uh, versus Cutler is worth a is worth a hundred points on the year. So add a hundred points on to Derek Mason, and uh, for me, you know, I, I think that you're okay there. And you know, and the thing you got to think of with Mason is that, um, and, you know, he has been a favorite target for Flacco. And as much as I love Bolden coming in there, uh, you know, who's gonna who's gonna get you know the double team? And if if it's me, I'm probably double team and Bolden, and so therefore you you've got somebody who has been the favorite target, and now is seeing single coverage. So I would not uh, you know push Derek Mason to the uh, scrap heap just yet. I agree. I, I I totally agree. I've been uh, I've been watching these drafts, and uh, everybody's so afraid to uh, take Derek, Derek Mason, and uh, you know I, I'm like, well, hold on now. This guy has been uh, – he's been pretty solid with uh, Joe Flacco, so I totally agree with that. Well, we're going we're gonna to cover uh, – we're going to look at this a little bit deeper here, but I, uh, I, 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 I still want get, to get to exactly what, you're, what we're talking about here with Aaron Rodgers, you know, 100 points better. Oh, oh wait a minute. The Jets, the Jets defense – the Jets defense just came off the board in the 13th round, guys. Goodness gracious, it's a Manuel Jetto moment. Yeah, the Jets defense off the board in the 13th round. Listen, they, if, if they've got anything going for them right now, it's the defense. And, and Rex Ryan, uh, coming from Baltimore, is going to make sure. I think I think this is the one year that I, I think you could feel good about drafting a defense early. I, I've never done it. I've always been the, the guy that takes it in the 20th or 19th round, maybe 18th at the, at the earliest. But this is the year that I think maybe you might get a return on your investment. This defense is very powerful, and, and, I, and I think they'll do something. Let's, let's go back to that discussion right before the Jets' hysteria took over. Uh, you brought up a good point, Russ. Uh, Aaron Rodgers on his, uh, you know, okay, let's say, let's say he fulfills the expectation that is the number one pick. And, and, again, that's hard enough, okay, to be number one. Okay, you can draft him as number one, but you're saying perform. Be the number one guy. There's no room for error there. You're either number one or you're not. Number one quarterback last year in this tournament. Hey, Mike, hang hang tight, bud. Aaron Rodgers scored 400 points. He was the number one quarterback. The year before that, Drew Brees scored 370. 
Now, Tom Brady in that record-setting year scored 450. So, best-case scenario, let's say he has a Tom Brady year and scores 450 points. Is that fair enough? Yeah, that, I, I don't have any projection that high, but, yeah, sure, let's use that. Okay, that's <laughs> best-case scenario. Now, if he does another 400, uh, look, the whole gaggle of quarterbacks there, all the way down to the top ten, did about 330 last year. So, on an for, for if, if Rodgers puts up the kind of year he had last year, he's 70 points better than Cutler. If he if he's 100 if he if he scores 450, he's 120 points. So he's somewhere between 70 and 120 points. So I think your 100 point assessment is fair. So let's just go ahead with 100 points better than Cutler. Let, let's take a look at that though over a 16 week season. 100 points. Let's just do this math here. I don't know what it is. 100 points divided by 16 weeks. That's six points per week extra that you're getting. From Aaron Rodgers. Now ask yourself a question if you're a betting man. You got Marion Barber and Derek Mason with plus six point edge, or would you rather have Pierre Thomas and Joe Adai? That's a question for well, you, Russ. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I certainly see your point. Um, however, I think, you know, you're swinging for the fences there. He's got Chris Johnson and D'Angelo Williams. So, you know, where, you know, do you just pull back and you say, okay, I'm going to get two more, you know, running backs there? Yeah, I mean, I've played those running back heavy lineups, um, and those all sound really, uh, you know, strong, at the, you know, uh, before the first week. But, the, you know, the thing you come up against there is, uh, you know, not everything works out as, as expected. And for me, Rodgers is, you know, I look, when you're talking about head-to-head, I want somebody that I'm going to be able to rely on in a high-powered offense. So, you know, for me, the value of Rodgers is not so much even in the point differential versus what you're talking about here, but also somebody that you can, you know, rely on. Pierre Thomas is somebody that, you know, uh, quite honestly gets injured. Uh, is a strong player when he's healthy and playing. Um, and, you know, who is our other one? Joe Adai. You know, same thing. I mean, he's, you know, fighting for, and as much as I like a die this year, he's fighting for uh, touches. And, you know, so, I mean, I certainly understand what you're saying, but for me, I'm okay having Rodgers and Mason, um, you know, or, or Rodgers and, you know, whoever you want to put in there, you know, with him. Uh, and that was kind of my point is, you know, the 100-point differential, can you add 100 points to Mason, you know, that you're going to ask for Cutler, and, you know, put him up against uh, whatever other wide receiver you wanted to talk about. Well, I totally agree, Russ, and I'm going to jump in real quick. Uh, you know, I heard that, uh, you know, the numbers are the numbers, and uh, stats are stats, and they make all the sense in the world, but uh, you have to uh, you have to rely on somebody that you can rely on in certain matchups, and let's face it, it this game is all about matchups. So, uh Go with that and uh, and and go from there. But uh, you know, as far as uh, the numbers, uh, they are they are, and you know, it's hard to refute them. But uh, you know, I, I, I would still I would still stand pat to uh, you know your hard true feeling. You, you, you said yeah. something earlier about comfort zone and, and feeling good about your team on paper, and, and, and that's important too. You want to take guys. You know, the goal of this. You're in the high stakes world. You want to take guys. The way you're going to beat the other players in the competition is to pick the right guys. I mean, that's plain and simple. You pick the right guys. 
you know there's not a lot of questions with Aaron Rodgers this year. He's going to be in the discussion for number one and number two quarterback, number three quarterback. Uh, you, you pick the right guys this year. It's hard enough to pick the right guys. I mean, we've all been doing this a long time. And if you right. nail six of your top eight picks, then you have a chance to win your league. If you don't nail six of your top eight picks, I think you're really going to be hurting. And so it's hard well, enough to tough. pick the right guys. You add in well, the injury element, and it gets even tougher. One thing, Scott, that I want to uh, throw in real quick is uh, what may fit for your team may not fit for my team. So, you know, if I if I if I need a running back or a wide receiver in say uh, round six, seven, or eight, I'm going to take him. And you know, uh, he's going to be he's going to come off the board. And but a lot of a lot of people may think, well, well, shoot, I'd take this person higher or that person higher. Well, no, that's going to fit my team. I want my team to be fitted in the right direction. All right. Well, uh, again, and, and, that's, that's expert analysis from from Michael Trent. Go ahead, Russ. And, and Scott, just, you know, just you know, just a final thought there is that uh, when you talk about comfort zone, you know, Jay Cutler has um, you know a higher upside, obviously, right? Really high upside, you know. But where, where's his floor? Um, you know, a he doesn't finish the season in the Mike Martz offense uh, because he's laying in the hospital. And you can't predict injuries, but uh, that is a high-risk uh, offense that Martz runs. We know that. And, um, you know, for me, I, I have no uh, – for myself, I have no appetite for uh, having that much risk at that particular uh, spot there. And I guess my question for you would be, you know, where last year did they, if you have that information at your fingertips, where did your 15th-rated quarterback come off as far as points are concerned? Oh, because we can get that for you. 15th-rated quarterback, yeah, 275. So that's what I'm putting up against the Rodgers. Um, and for me, you know, I, you know, color doesn't make my, uh, you know, top 12. But that's just my board, so you know, it's player preference, you know, sort of. Uh, as they say, I just, uh, I, you know, I, I've got a lot of concerns about that offense, and especially the way Forte, you know, runs the ball, and you've got, you know, you've got Chester Taylor there. You know, I think we're going to see a little bit. Uh, as much as you know, we really want to believe that March is going to turn Cutler into the next uh, John Elway. Um, you know, I just don't see that. Well, that would be something if uh, if that offense resorts to that level, but hey. Russ, thanks for joining Red Versus Blue, man. We appreciate it. We're going to get out of here, and uh, thank you for coming on board. We look forward to seeing you in Kentucky at the Kentucky State Championship on Sunday. You got it. We'll see you guys Sunday. All right. Sounds good. Mike, uh, that was Russ Steele. Uh, again, an accomplished high stakes player. we got a couple minutes left here. Final thoughts on this draft, Mike. Kip Lockwood uh, puts together a solid effort uh, with Drew Brees and Gates. He has Marshall and Macklin. That feels good. Benson and Bush. But then the running backs and the flex options aren't where they need to be to compete in this league at this point. Jeff Gill, Miles Austin, and Hakeem Nix uh, has quality wide receivers there. Doesn't have what he needs week in, week out. Unless Eddie Royal pans out, uh, he doesn't really have what it takes uh, to field that full lineup, in my opinion. Unless Sandlin... Uh, with the top wide receivers, Randy Moss and Reggie Wayne, off the board. Comes back with Grant Wells and Foster. Love it. Shab Shanko. He needs one of these guys, Hester, Meacham, McFadden, Nene, 
Edwards, one of those guys to work out as a flex. Love what Les Sandlin did. Moving on, Daryl Bomber, Steven Jackson, and McCoy. Great running backs to start off with. Greg Jennings and Ocho, Brady and Cooley. He's got a great lineup, and then he has to count on two of these guys, Caddy, Hightower, Driver. He's got Bernie Scott, just in case Vincent goes down. I like what Daryl did. Finley and Selleck for Billy Waz. Solid. Calvin Johnson. Ahmad Bradshaw. C.J. Spiller as the running backs. Man, he really is hurting at running back. I love the Javon Ringer pick in the 14th, but Billy, you neglected running backs, and it shows here. It's going to be very tough for you. Frank Gore and Sean Green from Tom Fun. Ahmad Bradshaw. Um, I'm sorry, Ronnie Brown and Jacobs. He's got Roddy White, Steve Smith, Dwayne Bowe, Kellen Winslow, Joe Flacco, Keller. He nailed this draft. Way to go, Tom. Mike Bronte, Mike Turner, Matthews, Vernon Davis, Gonzalez, T.O. and Garcon. Love that team. He's a little hurting with Harrison and Gaffney. If you believe in those guys, it can work out. And, uh, man, we're out of time on Red versus Blue. Thank you for joining us. We will do better next time. Tommy Yates, Jeff Tiravasi, love what you did, buddy. You got the number one team, uh, in my opinion. We'll see you next week. You've been listening to Red vs. Blue Sports Talk Radio, where Planet Red and Big Blue Nation collide. With your hosts, Scott Atkins and Michael Trent. Please join us next time. Mike, are you still with me? All right, well, listen, guys, uh, you know, Darren Armani had a good draft here with Ray Rice and Moreno. Love what he got in those wide receivers with Deshaun Jackson, Colston, and Welker. If you want to put together a team, here's what you got to remember. Make sure you get your lineup filled in those first eight picks. Then you can start taking flyers, guys. Then you can start filling out with, with darts, Dez Bryant, Vincent Jackson, Mike Thomas, you know, uh, you know, Lawrence Maroney, if you want to, or Darren McFadden, Forsett, whoever you like, throw some darts out there and and make those high upside picks. But get your lineup filled. You do not want to be sitting here trying to field your lineup. That's the main thing. If you want to separate yourself from the competition, it's not all about who you like. It's how you construct your team. That's all I got. We'll see you next week on Red vs. Blue.